One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Not a great day weather-wise, but good morning to you. 1850-333-103. Lines open. Bernie takes your calls and comments this morning. You can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. You can, of course, email us jp at c103.ie or tweet us this morning at c103cork. Ahead on the show, just returning back briefly to something we were covering on the show yesterday. This was to do with isolation and people being lonely, basically. And we hear a lot of this in rural areas. Well, this was to do with urban isolation and people who were living in housing estates and living in cities or big towns and basically even though they are surrounded by thousands of people and houses they're lonely they can be on a street with a lot of people around them but still they're lonely their families aren't visiting them Uh, Their neighbours might have passed on, new people are in the area, people are busy coming to and from work and they just feel that there's no one visiting them. And we then heard from elderly campaigner Paddy O'Brien who was telling us the story yesterday of a 92-year-old lady that basically was relying on her neighbours to give her warm food. She did need more services outside of the existing help she was getting from the HSC, but that help from the HSC wasn't enough. She was getting help for about 15 to 20 minutes uh, every morning and the food she was getting wasn't really up to standards, I suppose, because of the time frame there. Uh, But outside of that, only for her neighbours, Uh, Paddy felt that woman would just starve to death and she needed help and her neighbours were giving her that help Paddy was and others in the area now uh, the HSC were contacted on this and they are working on that but uh, following our show yesterday and following Paddy highlighting this on our show yesterday morning uh, a man dropped into our studios here and donated a large sum of money for that particular lady and from that and others who were in contact with us yesterday that lady uh, is now being sorted with other services so Hopefully now she will be uh, in a better place. I'm not going to say too much more because we don't want to reveal any identities here, but she is being looked after. She will be, I know, in a better place in a few weeks' time. And again, thank you to everybody uh, that was in touch with us yesterday and especially uh, that kind man who dropped in that large sum of money which we have passed on. And I can tell you that is being used uh, to her use and will make her life better. So thank you for that. Um, A lot of people in touch with us. And just to acknowledge that this morning, that lady now will be in a better place. And we have got a number of calls from people following that conversation who unfortunately are in a similar position and many who are just lonely 
or just feel they're isolated. A lot of this is going back to families not visiting their parents, which we said yesterday, especially parents whereby one parent might have passed away and you might have a father or a mother living alone. And even though the family are living far away, maybe an hour or two hours, they don't visit their home place for three, four, five, six months. And when they do, they only stay there for three, four, five hours and they're gone again. And outside of that... It's up to neighbours, it's up to people who know the person to look after them and HSE services. So we'll touch back with a lot of callers we got on that. Uh, we'll, we might get to it today, but we'll touch the back on those calls uh, across the week here. Uh, but thank you to all those who did uh, contact us and help that particular lady yesterday. Now, ahead on today's show, we're going to discuss how, and this is something that we've seen already here in Cork Bush, uh, how baptisms and weddings will become a thing of the past in some, if not all, Cork parishes. This is due to the ongoing issue, of course, of the shortage of priests but the Association of Catholic Priests have ideas on how to tackle that particular issue. We'll discuss those shortly with Father Tim Hazelwood from the parish of Killa in East Cork. Also yesterday we were discussing the issue of the new laws which are coming in on dangerously overtaking cyclists. The new laws will come into effect next month. You will receive penalty points and a fine of €120. Uh, we're going to hear from cycling groups today on this and also from motorists. We got a huge reaction yesterday to this. So returning to the calls we didn't get to yesterday. Busy show yesterday, by the way, so we are going to return to comments uh, that we didn't get to on the show yesterday. But on the cycling issue, we're going to hear from cycling groups on what they make of this and from motorists. And I have my own experience from yesterday as well, who feel that cyclists need to obey the rules as well as the motorists. We'll discuss that this morning on the show. Your views are welcome on that. Also, should we have a return and reward recycling scheme here in Cork? Well, there's talks of one going to be introduced on a trial basis. And this is basically where people will get money back for recycling. So you'll go along to a particular machine, you'll put in your recycling item and you'll get a few cents back on that. Uh, something that is being done across the continent and years ago I suppose it was done in this country in a different manner. Anyhow, discussing with Councillor Audrey Buckley who came up with a particular idea. We're discussing debt with the Awalia scheme from Mavs and the types of debt people can find themselves in and how to deal with that even just outside of household debt, general debt uh, that people find themselves in. Nathan Carter will join us on the show today. He's uh, coming to Cork at this weekend to the Cork Opera House for his latest gig we'll hear about his new album which is due out next month the gig and indeed how his last album released earlier this year has done so well from him Nathan will chat to us just after midday today and after midday also we'll be going gardening with Peter Doddle so that and more to come between now and one our lines are open you can call Bernie 1850 333 103 text or WhatsApp 086-2103-103 you can send us a private message to Facebook at C103 Cork on Facebook or indeed you can email jp at c103.ie. Lines open 1850 and something that's been reported this morning in the Echo and Dara Birmingham is writing this and this is something that we had on our show earlier this year as well from people who came across an elderly man who had fallen on the Farnley Road in the city and it seems that 20 people in Cork have been left waiting for more than an hour for ambulances in a life-threatening emergency situation this year. So far, the figures have been revealed and obtained under the Freedom of Information Act and they show uh, that nationally the figures stand at around 123, including one incident in Mayo. Uh, When it took an ambulance, wait for this, four hours to call 
to an urgent call in County Mayo. Uh, other response times of similar to that were in Wexford and again here then in Cork and Kerry where we had a, a high rate of low response times. One incident which I mentioned there was calls we got on an afternoon. This was going back I would imagine to the start of the year maybe March or April uh, that, that time of the time frame whereby we had calls from people who were on the Farnley Road and came across a man who had fallen on that particular road that is quite near CUH. They did ring an ambulance and it took over an hour uh, for, or even over two hours indeed for the ambulance to come along and deal with that particular situation. Uh, the man was taken to CUH and again, CUH only around the corner but that really didn't take anything to account because I remember at the time when the people were, were in contact with us they had rung the ambulance service Uh, The ambulance service obviously were busy with calls. They rang CUH directly who told them that they were busy, uh, the hospital was extremely busy and that there was ambulances outside waiting to discharge patients and because of that, well, you will be waiting for an hour or more and it was two hours in the end by the time an ambulance came and dealt with that particular man uh, who had suffered head injuries as well in that particular incident on the Farnley Road. Anyhow, uh, the man was in his 80s by the way and uh, only for the passers-by on that particular ordeal because he remained conscious throughout the ordeal but only for people being there you wonder what would have happened and at least the people that came on the scene could ring the ambulances and indeed in the end even though it was two hours later an ambulance did come but it just shows that urgent calls it can take over two hours for an ambulance to call for urgent calls here in the Cork area and it seems that Cork, Kerry uh, and Mayo are one of the worst time frames when it comes to ambulances across the country and again that is probably due to the way it's set up I, I would presume so anyhow uh, and the fact that when an ambulance as we've heard from so many of those working in the emergency services and indeed in hospitals here in Cork that when an ambulance goes to CUH it has to remain there until the patient is actually you know, handed over uh, to those in the emergency department and if the if there's a delays there well then the ambulance is basically parked up until the handover has taken place so that's one of the causes why we are waiting for ambulances in this country we'll be hearing later on the show uh, from a, a housing protest that took place yesterday on Patrick's Bridge in the city centre and this is to highlight the situation especially around Halloween whereby those especially children who are in emergency care won't have the luxury of going trick-or-treating this particular year or even have people calling to their door if they're in B&Bs uh, shelters or indeed in hotels well on that on post has come together and they're connecting homeless people they have a new initiative set up it's called Ireland Homeless Connect and it's called the Shared Network and basically on the Unpost mobile network they're donating a number of SIM cards across the various homeless communities. It's been trialled in Dublin at the moment and what this is doing is for one particular user of the homeless services Joe, he's quoted here in the papers this morning is Joe from Bray in County Wicklow and Joe has received a mobile phone through this particular scheme. He relies on that phone first of all for something you might not think of, but he has to ring a hostel every evening to see if there is a bed available. So he uses the mobile phone, which he's got from Unpost, to ring a hostel to see if he has a bed for the night. Also, though, he will be lost without his phone because it has reconnected him to his family, uh, which he had not talked to his father for over five years. And he now talks to his mother and his father. And indeed, he now talks to most of his family. So hopefully uh, that situation will resolve maybe his homeless crisis himself if he's making contact again with his family. But outside of that, it just shows something simple as a mobile phone 
First of all, let's need it to contact hostels. But what it could do, this could change this man's life now when he reconnects with his family. Anyhow, it's a new service. Uh, hopefully it will come here to Cork as well, but it's a new service uh, with Unpost and it's being trialled in Dublin at the moment with the uh, homeless services in Dublin. And this is, I'm sure if you're part of the text alert groups, you're getting this uh, text on your phones. Fraudsters are again calling using an automated system. This time they're ringing people claiming and pretending to be from Visa or MasterCard and they're alerting you to the usual drama of that you have fraudulent transactions on your account. Now, of course, Visa and MasterCard have said they never call customers directly. They're asking people also do not download any software that you might be receiving on emails or by text to say download this so you can actually remove the harm that's been done to your account. But then, of course, if you download the actual app or answer the email, they'll look for your bank details and that's where then you fall into their trap, giving them your bank details and then they extract money out of your bank. So again, a fraud smart issuing a warning late last night and again this morning not to respond to these particular calls. Be fraud smart. Don't download any software. Ignore those texts because Visa and MasterCard, they'll never contact you directly. Usually it will come from your bank, but your bank won't be asking you for your banking details either, which we've discussed so many times. They won't be asking you for your passwords or your account numbers. So just be careful of that, especially those vulnerable in your community. Make them aware. Maybe they're not on the local text alert service. Again, it's a big increase in the last number of days of people calling, pretending to be from Visa or MasterCard, saying there's something gone wrong on your account. We need to access that to resolve it so that money won't be taken out but of course these guys didn't get your account number and they're the ones who were acting on a fraudulent manner not what they're claiming to be doing and if you have boarded an aeroplane over the last while well this might be something not too sure if this will work or not but they're trialling it at the moment in the UK it comes from the Times Ireland edition this morning and the pre-flight scrum while boarding aircrafts well we know when you're going on a holiday it's the last thing that we all want is everybody rushing to get on the plane and unless you're in the bar the plane isn't going to leave without you obviously though if you're not going to make the plane after four or five call outs across the airport the plane will leave but there's moves now and this has been trialled in Gatwick they're testing this particular system which passengers with window seats are boarding first then they're followed by those in the middle aisle and then they process everybody else then after that this of course will be one of the busiest airports in Europe and the two month experiment was trialled at gate 101 in Gatwick and seemingly it did leave to queues reducing. It's also hoped that the particular system they are using will overhaul boarding times, reducing the chances of planes being delayed. You could now board your plane in under 14 minutes with this particular trial. Seemingly it can take up to 30 minutes or more uh, for everybody to get in a plane. But according to this new system, which is working out okay anyhow in Gatwick, 14 minutes you can get on a plane. Not too sure if that will work here or not, but we'll wait and see. 1850-333-103, lines open. You can text or WhatsApp Oh. Eight six two one zero three one zero three, or indeed tweet us this morning at C103 Cork. I mentioned there about cyclists and indeed we'll discuss that later in the programme on the new laws that are due to come in on cyclists and the dangerous overtaking of cyclists by motorists. If you dangerously overtake a cyclist now, you will be fined and you'll also receive penalty points for that. Of course, there is laws as it is on dangerous overtaking, but this is just specifically on cyclists. Mags on text saying, JP... I have had it with cyclists. Uh, Mags is saying last night on Henry Street in the city and Henry Street will be the street outside the Mercy Hospital. So if you're familiar with the Mercy Hospital, the street outside there is called Henry Street. And Mags says uh, on that particular street last night, a cyclist pushed 
passed through a red light. Now, that's the usual, says Megs, but they don't warn pedestrians. No bells on the bike, no way of knowing. I presume, Megs, you were walking across that particular street and even though the light was green for you to walk, this bike just came through the uh, green light and maybe nearly knocked you over. Not too sure if that's the way it happened or not, but uh, you weren't too happy anyhow with the particular protest or the bike, the cyclist, uh, not ringing the bell to warn you that they had broken that particular red light. Anyhow, that's from a, a pedestrian point of view of what's happening. Motorists not happy either of these new laws coming in. What happens on rural and uh, country roads, especially we're getting a lot of calls and texts in, and this is following up on our conversation yesterday on this. On Sunday mornings, where a team cycling clubs are out and they're cycling three to four or five abreast on the road, and they're not pulling in and you could have three or four cars behind who are trying to pass out but might not be able to do so on a narrow road or a road where there's a lots of bins or it's just not safe to pass out. Uh, a lot of motorists are calling for fines for cyclists who do this. Anyhow, we'll discuss that later on the show. Your views are welcome though. 1850 text or WhatsApp 0862103103. We're going to hear next about what the Association of Catholic Priests, the ideas they have now to tackle the issue of priest numbers which basically are diminishing across Cork and indeed across the country now and it's happening in some areas but at the moment it seems that all of Cork the majority of parishes in Cork will see uh, the likes of weddings and baptisms becoming a thing of the past and they'll be all held in a central location we'll discuss that next Cork Today on C103 Call Patricia with your comment 1850-333-103 Sacraments such as weddings and funerals and indeed baptisms may not be able taking place in certain parishes in the future. This is due to the continued shortage of priests. Uh, Father Tim, Tim Hazelwood from Killer joins me on this this morning. Good morning to you, Father Tim. Morning, John Now, Father Tim, this is something that has come up in the show before and people have their own way of solving this. And we're aware at the moment, anyhow, for baptisms especially, that in some parishes now, you would go along to the nearest large church and you could have five to six baptisms at a specific time. That isn't unusual and that's the reality at the moment due to the shortage of priests in certain areas. Well, that is, that's what parishes have had to do. Um... And I suppose the point that we're making is, uh, when I say we know in the Association of Catholic Priests, and that is, that's if we're looking short term, that's what's being done now. But fast forward down the road, just 10 years, how is that? Like The reality is that the, the vast majority of people still bring their children forward for baptism. Uh, well over 50% of marriages are still in the church. And all the other sacraments still happen, and the masses, they all still happen. And, for instance, if you were listening now, if you think of the priest in your parish and have a look at him, whatever shape or size he is, in 10 years' time, what age is he going to be? And there is nobody coming up behind to replace. Like, we have one student uh, for the priesthood. Uh, within 10 years, there will only be one ordination for 40, 48 parishes. So it, it's not, you wouldn't want to be a genius to work out. Yeah, an ageing population. And with that, we are realistically going to see smaller parishes disappearing and everything will have to move into bigger centres and larger churches if the, the church is going to survive the way it is. 
well, that's, you say, well, like two things there. You've said the reality, and that's what's happening in our own diocese. Uh, that has happened. You know, we have three parishes now, Castle Magna, Ahina, Kilimatra. There's no priest resident. So the, the policy seems to be that priests will be centred in a town and provide a service outside. So a lot of parishes, their present priests will be their last uh, priest. But the other point you made there is that if things remain the same, like... And I suppose what we, as I'm involved in the Association of Catholic Priests, and we are looking towards reform, that we look forward to a new way of doing things, because just upkeeping the old means that this, this kind of decline will happen, uh, and the older men will be asked to do more and more work. And just presently, they've just concluded a synod in the Amazon region of South America, because they, they had uh, these problems in a different setting, a different culture, and Pope Francis asked them to come up with solutions. And they proposed, and one of them is that that married men would would celebrate Mass, and they're proposing that women would be ordained as deacons. Now, we are not in that their situation yet, but we're heading towards it. Yeah, it's going that direction. It is. So why don't we prepare? Why don't we sit down, have a synod, and look and see how can we make the gospel and the church be alive into the future, rather than trying to upkeep the same old thing because it was that was the way it was before. Now, I know today you're going to the Association of Catholic Priests, AGM, and you are going to discuss this and look at the issue of relaxing the celibacy laws. Also, the mention which has come up a lot from listeners when we discuss this issue of ordaining women priests, that might attract more people if men and women can join the priesthood and marry. Uh, that may attract people to the actual priesthood. I know Father Brian Darcy is coming out this morning and he is arguing also for women priests to be allowed to join the priesthood and indeed for men to marry. Uh, would it make an impact? Uh, would, it, would it change things? I mean, do you think that people out there want to become priests if that's, I, these laws are changed? I think that like, there's a more fundamental question involved in that and that is like the 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 area of ordination to ministry is the one that gets the headlines but women should be part of at every level within the church like they, they, they women don't have access to most of the decision making areas of the church so but just by ordaining won't change things there's a fundamental change in attitude and outlook needs to happen. And Pope Francis talks about clericalism. It's a private boys club where we don't, we exclude women at every level. So thinking needs to change completely. And um, I think um, like whether marriage or the ordination of women happens or not, if the other doesn't happen, well then... It's 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 a waste of time and and like a lot of women have spoken about how they are excluded, you know. Yeah, and you mentioned there that Pope Francis and the Vatican looking for a solution when it came to other parts of the world like South America. Mm. When they go back with those particular solutions, like I presume after this conference, you guys will go back to your representative to Rome and come up with these solutions that we should have women priests and we should allow uh, those in the priesthood or those who want to join to marry. Are they taken on board or is it just becoming a talking shop where, where you're fighting for well, this and you know well, what needs to happen, but if they're saying no the whole time, well, the whole thing is going to fold up. Well, the thing about it, we need to remember now is that the synod in South America that happened and the upcoming synod in Germany, like Germany is down the road much, much further than us. Like a priest in Germany could be covering 17 parishes on his own. 
So that's, they, they are in terrible trouble and they're having a synod and they're going looking at these issues as well. But those synods were instigated by Pope Francis. So he asked them to look at their situation and to put forward solutions. So that's the difference. So uh, is he going to say, okay, you had your synod, you're not going to listen, you know, like I, I believe that he will listen, he asked them to do it, and it will happen, I believe. You think that in time, what we're saying will we'll go ahead, women priests and indeed priests well, allowed I'd to marry? Say, I'd say, I'd say, like what they were proposing in, in, in South America, that, that men who were working, married men who were working in, within the church and who were leaders in church communities in, in different areas of South America, that they would be ordained. And I think that, that will happen sooner than later. I think very soon that will happen. Um, and I think if, if, if the movement continues, I think the ordination of women as deacons, I think, could happen shortly. But again, I would go back, especially here in Ireland, our own present setup is that, like in the parish I work in, if, if women weren't, um, women run the parish, like 90% of what's done within the parish at every level, it's women are doing it and, and they're excluded then. But if they allow this to go ahead for the regions we're talking about, surely if they allow women deacons elsewhere in the world, they will have to implement it here as well. Yeah, you're right. It's the beginning of change, I think. And with all this change then, does it make your position in the church more exciting that you are going through change? And even though with more, if if they allow these, these laws to change, you will have newcomers into the church. It might not be enough to keep the existing model going, but it will be a change. Is that exciting then for you to see a new level of the church, even though you will have some parishes who will have to merge still in this country? Well, change is, is it's how you look at change. I think, I think a change is exciting if we're ready to embrace it. Like, and I think that part of the difficulty is going to be that there are a group of people who, and I can understand it because change is frightening as well, who don't want anything to change. This is what we grew up with. This is what we knew. This is what we think is right. But maybe it isn't, you know, because like, it's, it's in decline everywhere nearly. And, um, like, and if we believe in the Spirit and God's Spirit working, well, then we trust the Spirit and, and we, we go with it and you know, help it to grow, but it, there's going to be resistance also. So some people don't want change. But those who resist, where they be in, in Rome or they're just your standard Catholics on the ground, uh, if they resist, they won't have a church to go to in 20, 30 years' time because the priests won't be there. Well, I think a lot of what I hear is this can't, you know, that we will be smaller and we'll be a better church and all that kind of thing. But That me, can't that continue. Sounds, well, that's a very exclusive and it's a kind of it's inward looking whereas I think what Pope Francis wants is that we all come together all our different views and opinions and from that we, we that the spirit will inspire us to find a way forward which I think is exciting if, if And what do you embrace. say to those who will say well your numbers are dwindling anyway and everybody isn't going to the mass like they used to back maybe let's say in the 90s where you'd have huge crowds in churches it's a different looking church than now and people will say well we don't need all these parishes anyhow so let's leave things as they are and change them slowly I mean, would you agree with that as the type of like, attitude that the church is changing and that less people are going to mass now and that can be said as well for Church of Ireland and other services well, it is changing. That's we can see that. That's that's changing. But like, it, it's about us within the church, and how do we respond? Do we just let it decline? 
um, which I think is... And it will decline, the, the structure will decline. But if we believe in the spirit, the spirit won't decline. So it's about allowing the spirits to, to, to move and to, to create what's coming. And I think, I think what Pope Francis is doing, I think it's exciting. I think it, it, it's what Vatican II had said so many years ago, but it, it wasn't allowed to happen. Um, Do you so think, think of all the popes, he's the one to make it happen? Well, he's doing his best. He's mm. facing a lot of opposition and uh, he's trying. You know, I think it's um, exciting times, I think. Well, on that, a lot of people agree that a priest should be allowed to marry. A lot of WhatsApps and texting to us, one from Audrey saying that she feels all priests should be allowed to marry and you should have women priests in the church. Uh, for yourself, I mean, you know, you're a priest for a number of years. Would you like to have got married? Would you like to have had kids and that type of thing? It's a bit late now. <laughs> <laughs> but, but going into it, uh, I mean, the, the would you have liked has, to be in that situation? The board has flown here. Um, well, I think... I suppose looking back, um, it's uh, when you see like my own family and stuff to have their own kids and stuff like that. It's that's difficult. But like there's been many blessings as well. Like I'm not. I wouldn't say I, I regress. I don't regress. But um, it, you don't. You just don't know. Uh, it would have been nice. I think to have had the option. Yeah. Um, and I don't think that will, I think it does a more fundamental change of attitude that's needed rather than, you know, married women or married priests and, and women priests. It, it's, it's a change of outlook, a change of attitude. It's something bigger even that I think is, is, is needed. What Pope Francis is trying to do. Okay, and another issue, if it's just coming into us, someone here from uh, a group of uh, people listening in Mallow say uh, children, the attitude to, to children the church needs to change at weddings, at some weddings anyhow, children are not left into some churches when there is a wedding on and that is not right, that needs to change I suppose younger children as well, so the attitude to children and young children needs to change that's only now for some churches and, and some priests I'm sure well, in various well, areas of the country well, well I, just in response to that like that's just a once off type of thing mm. is that like I I do a good few weddings, but I'd know couples who would ask that no children be brought. You know, it's not just, it's easy to blame the priest sometimes, but some couples don't want screaming babies at their wedding, you know, and young children running around the place. Um, it depends on the couple, you know, some couples would, don't mind, they wanted a family type of wedding, or others have different, and then it can be the priest, we can be cranky too sometimes. Okay, uh, just getting back to matters at the moment, and this is to do with weekend masses. A lot of people texting in on this, and I suppose it's going back just just to the shortest of numbers. And this is why we're having the conversation, and it's going to continue. Uh, and do you think this will continue? Whereby, for example, I'll pick two towns, Mallow and Clonakilty. Could we see, for example, in both those areas, that the outer areas, for example, in Mallow, the Kilavolans, the Mornabbies, the Ballyclaws, and maybe in Clon, the Yardfields, uh, and those areas will be all going into their particular towns? for mass in the future because even though if these uh, new reforms are made it's going to take a number of years for this yeah. to actually happen is that the way it will go in the short term in this country over that, the next 10 years? Well that seems to be the policy in the diocese for instance you mentioned one already Mount Abbey there's no priest in Mount Abbey now so the priest from Mallow goes out and says mass there and which is I would find very difficult because like, it, it's Mount Abbey now which will be the other towns villages around Mallow in the future and like, you won't know people. As a priest, it, I, I, I'm on my own in a, in a parish, and I would know most people. And when there's a funeral or if there's a wedding or baptism, there's a, there's a personal link, a contact. And that makes it 
for me a lot more meaningful. But if you're kind of a, a service provider, it's kind of you clock in, you clock out, you move on to the next one. That's going to be very difficult for priests I, and and for people as well. Yeah, you're losing the personal contact, I suppose. And even yeah. that, you mentioned weddings there we spoke about. Most weddings you would have seen a number of years ago, the priest would come to the meal afterwards, he would stay, he would chat to everybody at the actual service afterwards. But that, that, that doesn't happen Gone. anymore now because the priest could no. be doing a funeral that evening. No, and that's, that's gone, that's gone. But you know what we're finding as well is that there are some churches that are very popular for weddings. I'll take down East mm. Cork now. There's one, Ballycotton is very popular. Now, there's 30 weddings, I'd say, a year in Belly, this year in Ballycotton. I had a wedding there lately. But the local priest in that parish, a Castletown Roach man like myself, he's now on his own with Cline, Shanagarry, Churchtown South, and Ballycotton, four churches on his own and 30 weddings in one church. Now, what priests, what parish priests are doing is, is that if you're coming to a place, you bring your own priest. So, like, we're being asked, would you go to Killarney to do a wedding, go to West Cork to do a wedding, go to Ballycotton, you know, and that won't, that's not sustainable either. You know, it's going to be putting more pressure on older men to have to do that. So it's going to come to an instance where if you want to get married in a particular church because you like the scenery, you're going to have to provide your own priest that you way. You have to provide. That's the way in. That's in, where it's going to go. Okay, well, we'll, we'll see what else comes Change. out from your um, from your AGM uh, later okay. today. But thank you so far, anyhow, for outlining what is going to be discussed and indeed changes that need to be made. I think everybody knows what changes need to be made to uh, sustain the future of the church in Ireland and I'm sure right, other faiths are the same. A, yep. Just a final point. I suppose... People, I know some people criticise us. Oh, they're here, they're off again. Mm. We are asking that the conversation take place. We're not shoving anything down anyone's throat. We're just saying it's time that we spoke about these issues. It's better to be prepared than to react. That's how we feel. Yeah, good point. Uh, rather than having a situation in 10 years' time when there's no parishes and then people are yeah. saying, why didn't you discuss it earlier on? Well, yeah. yeah, and you're right, people have mixed views. There's mixed views coming in here. Yeah. Some people think things should stay the same, but if you don't uh, change, then as others, people are making the point that we will have nothing and no church. And then uh, a good question here and from Kate, who is saying it's ironic that people want to pick churches for their weddings. I wonder, do they attend Mass every weekend in their own churches? Uh, that's another issue, putting uh, pressure on priests from people who don't go to Mass every weekend. Would you have a view on that or is it a case of you welcome every, everybody regardless of Absolutely. how much they attend anyway? Yeah, but like is there... Do you, how do you qualify then, you know, if mm. people... The majority of people that are at weddings that I don't know that they genuinely want... Like, you see, now they have a choice. You can go to the hotel, you can go anywhere. So people who want to go to church, they go for a reason. They don't have to. So it's meaningful in, at some level. And just because maybe they mightn't attend Mass all the time, but there is a reason. And surely we should work on the positive rather than criticise what we perceive as negative. OK, we'll leave it there for the moment. Father right. Tim, thanks for joining us this morning. Father right. Tim Hazelwood there from the parish of Killa uh, on those particular issues at the moment in the church. That's ahead, of course, of an AGM today of the Association of Catholic Priests where they're going to discuss those particular issues on future-proofing the church, uh, not only here in Ireland, but I suppose across the world. And that would really be for all faiths as well, not just the Catholic Church, but it's something that all faiths are, are, are coming across at the moment. Anyhow, your viewers are welcome. 1850 333 103 R&D text or WhatsApp 0862 
0818-103-103. On the issue of recycling and plastics, and we hear a lot about this discussion when it comes to climate change at the moment and how we should be all not and reducing our plastic intake and indeed then recycling. Well, should we have a return and reward recycling scheme here in Cork on a trial basis? We'll discuss that next. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 0862103103. A return reward scheme for plastic and glass bottles along with cans should be introduced in Cork on a trial basis in a bid to encourage us all to recycle. Crosshaven Fianna Fáil-based councillor Audrey Buckley joins me on this. Good morning to you, Audrey. Good morning, John Paul, how are you? I'm fine, thanks. And this is something that you've, you've come up with yourself on this. Just first of all, how would this scheme actually work? Well, that's the thing, John Paul. I actually didn't come up with this scheme myself. What I have done is, as somebody who's lived abroad for quite a number of years and seen it firsthand working in other countries, when I moved back to Ireland about 14 years ago, I'm very active and litter is just the bane of of my life. It's just a passion I have for trying to educate people and the schools locally on litter. Um, So... For me, we, we started Three for the Sea about two years ago, which is a, an initiative here in Crosshaven. Um, on the beach, we have five plaques on the beaches about picking up three bits of plastic every time you go to the beach. So then this is extended on from this. I was reading about County Monaghan and about their reverse vending machine. So I did a bit of research into it. And I um, I just think it's just a fantastic idea. And I just think Cork County Council should take it on board. And with this then, I mean, how, how would actually the, the issue work if people have recycling items and they want to give back? I mean, how would they g- give back? I mean, is there something uh, to so give well, back for them? Few, there's a few different ways um, and I'm hoping that Cork County Council, because uh, Cork County Council has accepted the motion and they welcome mm. it fully. The thing is, is that right now, um, they're not going to be funding it, but they will allow communities to install it um, with the Cork County Council's permission. So you could do it in a few different ways, and I'm hoping that the Environmental Department at Cork County Council will pick this up and do research on it of how best way that we can serve the communities because there's different ways you can um, recycle plastic or aluminum cans. That's what we're hoping, the plastic bottles for now. Um, So you could have a scheme where in a local community, depending how many businesses are on board, you could put a reverse vending machine in and each time you put a plastic bottle in, a clean plastic bottle, you could get five cents. Um, in County Monaghan, they get 10 cents. They get redeemed coupons that they can use in local businesses around the community. That's a good idea. Yeah. That's really good, yeah. It is, and it, it's very good for, like, we have, we're very, we have a very active um, Cub Scouts and Girl Guides groups in Crosshaven, and they clean beaches a couple of times a year. So, look, a, a group like this could actually fund local activities in their groups. They could, and it would encourage people to get out and pick up litter as well in the area. And especially for kids, so we're educating them and they're our future. So it's very important that we're teaching them. And look, they get rewarded as well for it. So for me, it's just a sustainable way, um, this deposit refunding. And I'm I'm hoping, like right now in County Monaghan, they had to get the reverse spending machine from the UK. But we're working with a business here in, um, in Ireland who does spending machines. Um, Russell Barry single source facilities and he's trying to look into reverse vending machines for us that would, would work well with communities within Ireland. And who refunds the money in Monaghan? Who pays for that there? Uh, it's the super value. So in County Monaghan, it was a current most uh, tidy town that started the initiative and they got the super value 
in um, around that area, well, they've paid for partial of the machine. There's also what what they have up on County Monaghan, and it's the only one apparently in Ireland, is the, they have uh, Saver, which is a recycled plastics factory. So they come in, the core county, uh, sorry, the council up in uh, County Monaghan would pick up the plastic bottles. And I was just speaking to Rita from Savera, um, who owns, who's the, I think she, she's one of the workers in the factories who's in, in charge of the scheme there. She told me this weekend in a small community village up there, they collected 1,800 plastic bottles. That's a just huge number. Just from this weekend. <laughs> so people are driving to the area with their clean plastic bottles and they're um, redeeming their their funds, which is amazing, you know. And is it the same sponsors will pay back the money when people put in yeah, the, into um, the machine and get yes. the 10 cents back? Is it super value and, and other businesses yes, pay back? It's other, exactly. So other businesses will redeem it. Like the way you go into Dunn's and you get, you know, you spend 50 euros yeah. and you get a 10 euro coupon. The same kind of same, same kind of initiative. It is, yeah. But I think more children are actually doing this and saving up for things. And and I'm, I'm sure, hopefully, if this takes off here in in, in County Cork, I'm sure um, a lot of businesses will be on board. You've no idea how many calls already I'm after getting for, from so many retailers saying we want to be involved in this. How, how do we get involved? Yeah, it's a good initiative for, for our retailing point of view. I mean, yes. if the council aren't going to fund the, the actual costs of giving yes. back the money and you have to go somewhere, I suppose it would be viable then for retailers to get involved and, and have those options of an actual receipt coming out whereby yes. you then go, go along to your shop and, and get 10 cents or 20 cents yes. off an item. And that could be the way to go rather than trying to fight for the council to give... Yes. Yeah. A machine whereby actually physical ten cents comes out. So, do you reckon that's the way it's going to go here in Cork? And would you be asking um, those locally to, to get in contact with you uh, so you can get this off the ground sooner rather than later? I would love to see it sooner than later. So, anybody, um, other councillors, I got an email from Galway this morning from a councillor. He would like to put the motion. He asked me for permission. I said, absolutely. We need to take this and run with it. And I think the more people that push this, um, even if our local council would pick up the the bottles um, because they have the trucks and the man and the ground to pick up and empty these machines and bring them back to their stores Um, uh, that's where we need to go we need to figure out how to work so there's no so these bottles and cans will be recycled that's the whole point of all of this you know, sustainability. Yeah. And that's something that everybody's talking about at the moment and climate yes. change and reducing plastics. So I think something like yes. this would really work. A gym on tech saying years ago they used to have a similar scheme returning glass back and you would get yes. a few pence back for returning glass. So this is a scheme that will work. The kids of today, even though with everything they have in social media, they still had the same mindset of kids in the 60s and 70s. So this will work. Uh, Audrey, let us know how this goes and we'll keep in I touch will. to see if this actually takes off. For the moment, thanks for joining us this morning. That is across Haven, Fianna Fáil Base Council Audrey Buckley on a scheme that I think should work hopefully and should be uh, if it can work in Monaghan uh, should really work here in Cork as well your views are welcome on that 1850 you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 Morning to you Bernie takes your calls this morning and indeed your comments to 1850 you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 or indeed email us across the morning jp at c103.ie if there's something you want to highlight or raise on the program
programme this week you can always tweet us at C103 Cork shortly we're going to discussing the issue of cyclists and this is the new laws which are coming into place next month on the dangerous overtaking of cyclists by motorists you receive a fine and penalty points that fine is up to 120 euros we're going to hear from a cycling group later a lot of calls and comments on that particular issue we'll get to those shortly also on the programme we're going to discussing debt and not just housing debt but debt in general and how we also easily can end up in debt but the best way to resolve the particular issue we'll be speaking with Mabs on that and Nathan Carter will join us on the show ahead of his Opera House gig this weekend and also if you have a gardening question Peter Doddall is along after 12.30 answering all your gardening questions if you have a, a question for Peter we'll get it into us and he'll uh, answer it for you hopefully after 12.30 you can call Bernie on that number 1850 333103 or indeed you can always text them or WhatsApp 0862103103 and Peter will join us with all the gardening advice after 12.30 today but just going back to the issue of cyclists for the moment we're discussing this shortly uh, with a cycling group on the programme uh, but on the issue we got yesterday on cyclists on rural and country roads Mary says what is the rule of the road with regard to cyclists cycling on a country road is it legal for them to cycle two abreast while having a chat and not paying attention sometimes weaving in and out it takes the driver's full attention to watch the road for oncoming traffic and also keeping an eye on what the cyclist is likely to do next I think that some cyclists need to update themselves on what the rules of the road require of them to cycle safely says Mary on WhatsApp to 0862103103 while Jim on text saying on the new rules regulating overtaking cyclists it might be no harm if Minister Shane Ross brought in some rules for cyclists using the road. He is very good at hitting the motorists. I believe he does not even drive a car himself. I am not anti-cyclist. The motorist has to pay tax and insurance to use public roads, says Jim. And a lot more of those type calls coming in, so we will discuss that shortly on the programme. Your views, maybe you're a cyclist. Or do you feel that motorists do drive too close to you when you are on the road and a motorist is passing you out or indeed like those texters and callers do you feel that it's unfair motorists are being hit the whole time when cyclists are often to blame where that be on a city street uh, going through red lights or indeed on a rural country road where you might have five or six bikes altogether and on that on Twitter too at C103 Cork a person has sent in a picture of them driving and they said they have to follow these people cycling two, three, four abreast for six kilometres now I'm not too sure where that particular place is the road it looks like it uh, might be between Breen and Dermahan or not Dermahan well it could be between Breen and Dermahan or Dunamore it could be a total different road outside of that as well but that's where it looks like it was anyhow uh, this particular person took a photograph and this person wasn't driving because it's clearly taken from the passenger seat but there's a car in front of them and then there is at least eight, nine. 10 bikes all cycling on the road and the cars are behind them and this person is asking oh, where do the laws stand for the motorists on this when we had to follow these particular cyclists uh, again four abreast roughly uh, with about 10 cyclists together and they had to do that for six kilometres very frustrating for that particular driver who tweeted us in at that particular picture so your views on that are welcome 
I will discuss that next on the programme. But just going back to other issues, and this was on the recycling. We discussed this with Councillor Audrey um, Buckley, who joined us earlier from Crosshaven, who wants a return and rewards recycling scheme to be brought into Cork on a trial basis. And this hopefully would work by using a reverse vending machine. So you would put in the actual bottle, plastic bottle, for example, and then you would get more than likely if not money back in the form of 5 cent or 10 cent you would get a voucher back from a local supermarket and then you can use that in the particular supermarket and what's happening on a scheme like this in Monaghan is whereby young people and those who are collecting rubbish are collecting the particular uh, vouchers and then using them in particular supermarkets so on that Jill is saying before you actually tuck the glass away for example if it's a, a plastic bottle of orange or whatever will you get money for them beforehand no you must actually input the whole bottle first and then you'll get your money back or it could be a voucher as well for a certain supermarket on that. Thank you Jill for your text to 0862103103 and discussing earlier on with Father Tim Hazelwood from Killa and this is the head of the Association of Catholic Priests having their AGM today and how to deal with the shortage of priests in not only here in Cork but across the country and what is likely to happen and many now campaigning for the ordination of women priests and also allowing existing priests to marry and that would some feel attract more people to join the Catholic Church well on this a text is saying all this talk about church changes back in the day when we were stuck to the old ways there were loads of priests it's only since the changes started that there has been a decline in ordinations it goes to show a return to basics is the answer for a start since girl altar service have come what about the boys not going now on the altar where are the boys going to get the call if they are at the altar from an early age says that particular texter so I'm not too sure if you're against a girl altar service or do you feel that there should be more of an encouragement for boys usually if if you're at actually you would see a decline totally actually in altar service if you ever go to a particular service or, or mass but with that in mind you would see a boy and a girl uh, most times or else maybe two girls or a boy so I don't know does that has that made a difference do, would you agree with that text or that allowing girl altar service uh, that boys are not on the altar enough and that's one of the reasons why there isn't people going into the priesthood because boys aren't on the altar from an early age so they can't get the call according to that particular texter. Also Anne says I walk three miles to Mass when I was young and I am now in my 60s and we still go to Mass and we know exactly uh, what we do when we go to Mass and we never know when our Lord will call us says Anne. So Anne still a Mass goer and when she was younger walking three miles to Mass and another texter saying until the church relaxes the rich structure and makes the services more appealing to the younger generation attendances will continue to decline. This needs to be addressed urgently as these children will be the future congregations and churches. At present there are very few attending Mass once they have made their first Holy communion while Kieran says the church does need to change and modernise some of the sermons from some priests go on too long while Kieran feels the younger priests can be a joy with short to the point talks rather than going over the Bible and preaching. That's where they need to change. What turns me off going to Mass as Kieran is knowing that a priest will come out and give a long sermon on something that means nothing to me. Some priests then younger according to Kieran, makes sense. And 
goes on for three or four minutes but they don't overdo it says Kieran, and that's why we need change in the church to make it more relevant to today's society rather than quoting the Bible which according to Kieran, he says has little relevance to today's world and, and PJ in Cork says it's very encouraging listening to Father Tim Hazelwood he's very honest and an example of what a servant of the faithful should be says PJ in Cork on text 086 2103 103 while John and Skibberine says well we have two of the best priests ever in the parish. They are good for young and old. They have a very broad-minded approach to most things and they are bringing young people back into the church, uh, says John and Skibberine naming the priest as Father O'Donovan and Father Kelleher. So well done to them, uh, bringing young people, according to John, back into the church in Skibberine. And on a totally different issue on this is to do with what's happening in Cavan. And it's quite disturbing, actually, that this is continuing on, but it's a story whereby a number of directors of Quinn Industrial Holdings have had death threats. And this comment coming in from Frank in Kinsale, who says, the Quinn direct directors getting threats. Why can't the Gardaí get the man responsible and get those who are responsible? They surely know who this person is or who this gang is. It needs to be stopped or else this kind of violence will spread across the country. Uh, well, uh, on that situation, the, there is, of course, a widespread condemnation of the latest death threat against uh, the five directors of Quinn industrial holdings. Uh, They've been warned that this is their final warning before their lives are taken. That was the latest threat to them. And it comes, of course, only a month after one of the directors, Kevin Lunny, was abducted and tortured near his home in County Fermanagh. Well, Earlier on this morning, uh, the local Fianna Fáil uh, TD for that area, Brendan Smith, he says this latest threat uh, to the directors is just a disgrace. This is despicable, it's reprehensible and it's deplorable to think that we have more threats of deplorable activity. And I have to say, the PSNI and Angarda Siakana, they must ensure that every resource is provided to bring an end to this type of activity, to these threats. And people who are responsible for criminal activity must be brought to justice. Well, he's calling for the Gardaí to have all the resources available and Frank is worried that if they don't deal with this now, either the PSNI or the Gardaí here, uh, that we could see more of this across the country. And that's his worry that the, the both the PSNI and the Gardaí need to step up now, uh, says Frank, and deal with this. His worry is that that particular type of violence could spread across the country. Hopefully not, but we'll keep you up to date on what's happening with that particular story across the course of the morning. But it is worrying uh, that that is still uh, going on uh, and maybe in border areas. But, you know, if, if something happens in one area, people always worry about then uh, kind of a, a, an effect that will run across the other areas areas of the country. Anyhow, we'll keep you up to date on that particular story. And a lot of texts in asking regarding the shoebox appeal. This is something we spoke about on the show a few weeks ago from Team Hope, who are collecting a number of items for those in countries whereby they'll donate them to certain poorer countries and bring them to them. And people can fill a shoebox with various items. We discussed it a few weeks ago on the show. But a person in Bantry says, I would love to know where I can contribute to the shoebox appeal. Where is my nearest collection point? And also a text from Charnival. Well, for Bantry, you can drop off your shoebox to the Bantry Tire Centre. They're on the Glengariff Road in Bantry or indeed uh, for the listener in Charnival. You can go along and drop your shoebox to Noonan's Toy Shop. They're on the main street there in Charnival. And if you want a list of all the various towns in Cork uh, that are collecting the shoeboxes, if you just Google Team Hope Shoebox Collection, that's the easiest way. If you Google that or use whatever search engine you want, 
and you'll get the website there and that will give you a link uh, to each and every town uh, if you want if you have online you're able to go online that's the best way to do it to get each and every town it will tell you and show you where you can donate your shoebox for this year well done to everybody who is donating this year as regards Team Hope's shoebox appeal 1850-333-103 lines open you can text or whatsapp 0862-103-103 or tweet us across the morning at C103 Cork next up we are discussing that issue of these new laws which are coming in next month on overtaking cyclists and motorists receiving fines or penalty points indeed if they uh, decide to take over a cyclist bush they do it in a dangerous manner discuss that next C103 Jobs and job opportunities today include an apprentice plasterers and labourers are wanted for C Moynihan and Sons plastering contractors in Knocknagree contact Connie on 087 2595 Brookfield Care Centre in Liam Lara near Watergrass Hill have vacancies for kitchen assistant staff and healthcare assistants. Send your CV by email to hr at brookfieldcc.ie. And fitters and welders are wanted for an immediate start. Onsite experience is an advantage. Send your CV to tim at hamiltonfrench.com. And you'll find these details and more online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs court today on C103 call Patricia with your comment 1850 333 now something we received a lot of calls on yesterday's show on this is the new laws on dangerous overtaking of cyclists which is due to come into force next month where drivers will get fixed penalty points and a fine now Colm Ryder is chairperson with cyclist.ie and he joins me on this good morning to you Colm hi John Paul and thank you a lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves. Feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. Thanks for joining us this morning. First of all, are you a cyclist yourself? 
I am, of course, yes. You are, so you're, you're familiar with the cycling. And, and, and you're based, is it Cork City you're based in? No, I'm actually based in Dublin, John Paul. You're based in Dublin, but you will be familiar with the cycling, I'm sure, in Dublin and Cork. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, we have members based in Cork there from the Cork Cycling Campaign, they're part of and we have, have another group in Clannagilty, another group in West Cork. So, like, we are, we are spread around the country as a net. We are a network of cycling advocacy groups in Ireland. So you're well familiar so with the various areas of Ireland where people cycle on. So a lot of the calls we got yesterday, first of all, were from motorists and also from cyclists. And just from the cyclist point of view first, the issue of someone cycling on a cycle lane or just on a particular road and a car or a truck overtaking they found was just simply so dangerous that drivers they felt have got worse. That's from a cyclist point of view. Do you agree with that from yourself and your own experience and what you're hearing from members across the country? Well, in, in, es- in essence, this is a, this this law which is coming in next month, uh, introduced by Minister Shane Ross, uh, is is a the result of a long campaign by cycling campaigners over the last number of years. And you may remember back, particularly two years ago, there were a series of fatalities of cyclists being hit by drivers, overtaking drivers. It was quite tragic. Two thousand and seventeen, in particular, was a very bad year, and that prompted a lot of campaigners to to campaign for this particular type of law. Originally, it was a minimum passing distance legislation, which was rejected by the Attorney General, and this new law, this safe overtaking law of cyclists, is now coming into place instead. So it's it's been really important, and I think some things have happened in the meantime during the course of this campaign, because we have been speaking with the Road Safety Authority on these issues, and the Road Safety Authority have introduced a series of ads on TV, which I'm sure most of your listeners would be familiar with, in relation to giving space to cyclists on the road. And and anecdotally, what we are getting from cyclists around the country is that th- things have improved. Okay, they're not perfect, definitely not perfect, but things have improved for cyclists on the roads in general, in that drivers are now sometimes just they are more aware of cyclists on the road. And you're hopeful that this particular law will make cycling safer, not only in in cities and towns, but everywhere, including rural roads. Yes, uh, absolutely. I mean, the issue is there is already an overtaking, dangerous overtaking law, which is there. The general law relates to cars, uh, vehicles overtaking other vehicles, vehicles overtaking pedestrians, pedestrians or cyclists. And that's, that is also there in, in, from the past. But this is a, a specific one to draw attention to this particular issue, which has been a growing issue on roads in Ireland overall because of the speed of vehicles and the lack of, of awareness of drivers, of cyclists and, and vulnerable road users on the roadway. And from a cyclist point of view, a text or WhatsApp in here from Jackie who says, I'm a keen solo cyclist for years. I moved to Mallow five years ago, brought a bike with me. But after a year, I sold my bike as I found cycling in Ireland simply too dangerous. I go to spinning classes now, which are much safer, says Jackie. And I've got more calls from people who are living in, in city areas who feel the same, that it's great to have cycle lanes, but then cycle lanes end and it's too dangerous. So uh, do we need to look at how we provide uh, accommodation for cyclists on our roads as well? Uh, without always blaming the motorists. Oh yeah, no, I think it's not a case of blaming motorists. It's a case of like the, there are like any in any any element of society, there are always rogue elements. People who just are are unaware. They just uh, they they are rushing to get somewhere. They don't think about other people, and they they just it's just a case of aware of a lack of awareness in the case of a lot, a lot of people. But yes, 
Uh, there is a big move uh, by, by, I have to say, the Department of Transport by local authorities to improve cycling infrastructure nationwide, and particularly, uh, obviously, in urban areas, but also, as you, you might be well aware, in relation to greenways and the, the building of greenways between towns, between, between different uh, d- different sites, different uh, areas of interest, so that people can get, get out on their bicycles or walk, for that matter, as well. And you yeah. feel it's do it safely, free from traffic. Yeah, and and with that in mind, with bringing cycling, and you mentioned there the Department of Transport, they are encouraging everybody to, to leave the car at home, to use public transport and to use cycling lanes as well and get on the bike. And that might be well and good for if you're able to do that. I was in Dublin a few weeks ago and you could see the uh, intake of cyclists who were in and around the city centre area compared to maybe other cities in this country where it isn't as yet as, as popular, even though Cork is gone very popular. But the one thing we're finding from Cork, and maybe you can explain this, cyclists on footpaths. I mean, is it illegal for a cyclist to cycle on a footpath? Because Joan was on to us yesterday and she said she was driving on a narrow street in Cork City. There was a cyclist in front of her going up a hill. Because there was no room in the street to pass out, she had to stay behind the cyclist, but she felt there was a very wide footpath and the cyclist could have gone on the footpath and saved a traffic jam that should not have been there. I mean, is there some law that cyclists can't use footpaths, especially if there's room for both a pedestrian and indeed a cyclist? Technically, the law is there that it says it is illegal to cycle on footpaths. It's illegal. That's a law. It's illegal to cycle on footpaths. But, uh, I mean, that law is more observed in the in, uh, it's more understood in the breach than observed as people would often say uh, from to take to, be, to take a line from Shakespeare but in 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 the case and I mean a, a lot, there are a lot of groups who advocate for instance that children should be allowed cycle on footpaths and it actually is still illegal uh, and, and uh, for children to actually cycle on footpaths but that uh, as in reality going to school you will see often a lot of kids will cycle on the footpath to, to because they feel safe because they are feel protected and that's I mean, they they will not be prosecuted. It is not part of the guards' uh, modus operandi to actually prosecute children for cycling on footpaths. And in general, the guards will take a, a benevolent attitude to cyclists on footpaths in in particular cases. Well, I can tell you we've got a number of comments in regarding cyclists themselves and why a lot of cyclists welcome these laws and would agree that overall cycling could be a lot better in this country. They feel that it is dangerous. They feel that some motorists do drive too close to cyclists when uh, they're on a particular roadway. We have the other side of it from the motorists and I have a number of calls uh, and texts this morning from motorists who were annoyed at cyclists, for example. And maybe you've come across this, especially if it comes to a rural or country road whereby you might have no room to pass out a particular cyclist, but you could have two, three, four or five abreast, maybe part of a cycling club. They won't pull in, they won't stop, but you could have four or five or six cars, which someone has tweeted me a photo of this morning. Should there be a law then, if motorists are going to be hit for and being fined for dangerous overtaking, should there be a law for cyclists who refuse to pull in and let traffic pass and block them on roads whereby there's no other option but for the bike to pull in? Well, this this is, first of all, I, I doubt if you're talking about three, four, and three and four breaths, which you did mention there. Uh, I well, like, I've got pictures of, of, of people basically in a bike. It's on Twitter. Um, and it's basically on a, on a rural road. No, it's not a very small rural road, but there is uh, basically cyclists who've taken over the road. And there's it, a string of cars behind them. Yeah, no. no well, well, that uh, first of all, I I would not condone any behaviour like that. I mean, we we as, as a national cycling advocacy organisation just say to people, look, it's all about respect. And it's, it's a, like the respect applies 
just as we say about the drivers respecting vulnerable road users, whether it be walkers or cyclists on, on roads like this, we also the same to cyclists. You've got to respect other users of the road. And and, and if in, in the cases where where you're actually blocking the road, it's just not on, and it's just not on for cyclists to actually deliberately or maybe not maybe not quite deliberately, but you know be unaware where the you know blocking cars from being able to pass. And of course, it it, it is a case of maybe slowing cars slowing down and passing those cyclists safety. But essentially, look, we we are it's it's a matter of common common uh, cop on, or we would call it like to common sense. Model. Cop on and respect for other users of the road. We do, do not condone that kind of behaviour at all. And is it legal? Is, am I right in saying you can cycle to a breast on the road legally, but anything above that is wrong, or is, is illegal? Is, is that correct? It certainly. It. It. I, I actually do not know the answer to that, uh, John Paul. Uh, to be honest, I, I. I know it's certainly legal to cycle to a breast, but beyond that, it's not. It's certainly not recommended to cycle more than more than two abreast. Uh, the. I would have to double check again that rule. In relation to the road safety and the the, the rules of the road. Okay, well, we'll we'll check that. We we can get back to that uh, because uh, that, that is frustrating people on rural areas who were driving, especially weekend mornings, who were trying to get from A to B, and they simply can't get because of cyclists taking over the road. They are saying, especially the smaller rural roads, which is frustrating as a driver. And with that in mind, would you feel then because motorists are getting fined, should cyclists then get fined as well if they break the rules of the road? For example, if that is illegal, should cyclists get fined, and should cyclists also get fined if they go through red lights? Well, I mean, there is a law there. Mm. There, is, there are rules there. There are lots of, lots of rules in relation to all users of the road, including cyclists. And there are fixed charge notices which are applied to cyclists as well. If you look at, at some, some of the recent statistics coming out from uh, the guards, the, the, the guard, when, when they, are, they are hitting cyclists, there's no doubt about it for various, various offences. And it's growing because of the, the these fixed charge notices that have been applied to cyclists just as much as they are applied to to drivers. So the cyclists are getting fined for for going through the red light, basically. Yes, yes. Obviously, it's like anything else. I mean, you know, every day. I mean, sure, you you will you see the same yourself, JP, in terms of the the number of you know people on the phones and in cars and mobile phones. But if a guard doesn't see them, you know, they don't get they they do not get prosecuted. If a guard doesn't see a cyclist going through a red light, mm. and uh, there are instances where where cyclists will walk through red lights where there's no traffic coming, and where they're where they're per- you know they're perfectly entitled to do so as a pedestrian, and it's it's just there there are different cases again in terms of looking at this in an overall context. And something as well that has come up in the show is regarding high-vis jackets and lighting up. And I'm sure you probably would agree with this from a cycling point of view because I'll just give you my own example yesterday, mentioning red lights, by the way, and dangerous roads. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the Blackpool bypass in Cork, but there was a cyclist on that yesterday who, you know, traffic had to go from one lane into another lane to pass that particular cyclist out. I just felt it was a dangerous place for anybody to cycle because that particular road was never meant for cyclists and I just think it, there's no cycle in there and it is very dangerous because you have about three or four or five lanes I think everybody going in different directions but then the same cyclist went through a red light uh, heading onto McCurtain Street and then later when I was uh, on the Monaghan Road which is quite a dark road there is public lighting there but it's quite dark and this was around six o'clock in the evening heading back into the city centre a number of cyclists about four of them wearing dark clothing no reflective gear no lights on 
and the bike themselves in colour were dark. I mean, in that situation, is there fines out there for that? I mean, is that illegal for... I don't think it is illegal, but should there be some law in there that cyclists, if they're going to be out on the road at night, surely light up? I know the clocks have gone back and people might have forgot that it would be dark that early, but at the same time, if motorists are going to be hit... Oh, oh no, no, again, there is, the law is there. It says you must light up your bike. You must have lights front and back on your bicycle if you're out there in the dark. You know, that, that, that's the law. And there is, a, again, a fixed charge notice is, 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 is an immediate fine of uh, 40 euros, I think the fee is at this point in time, for a cyclist not, not having lights on their bike. And we, we in, you know, in our campaign nationally, we work together with the Road Safety Authority in terms of in a light up your bike campaign, which we will be instituting in November this year, again, around cities uh, around the country, and uh, giving, making sure that cyclists are aware that they should be, who don't have lights, giving them that the lights, initial initial temporary lights and encouraging them to get lights and, and then letting them know that they can be fine for not having those lights. It's just, it's, it's an issue that, that always needs to be addressed. And Mags also, when you're mentioning laws and on what's on a bike and what's not on a bike, a bell on a bike, is that legal? Should you have a bell on your bike for pedestrians? Yeah. Yes, you should have a yes. bell. Yes, okay, Mags, that's your... <laughs> so you should have a bell in your bike. That, that's one that people were inquiring about, as was Mags earlier on this morning. So but with regarding the... This goes back to retailers, for instance, initially, who are, who are selling the bike. I mean, they need, yeah. they, they need to inform the, the cyclists so when there are people buying bikes that, this, that these, are, these are legal requirements. Okay, back to this particular law now that is coming in and we have cyclists as well who are welcoming this law and uh, Jonathan saying, it's thank God this law is coming in. I cycle daily to work and the amount of small trucks and indeed cars that just cut me on the road is frightening. Cycle lanes end and start and why I am not in the cycle lane. Uh, cars have no respect for cyclists on the road. Uh, so with that in mind, it's it seems from cyclists that it's the, the smaller trucks and motorists are the worst. How would this be enforced though you're mentioning there about red lights and cyclists going through red lights and some of the stats from the Gardaí but do you really think that this will be policed when we have a number of road traffic uh, incidents on our roads that aren't policed at the moment Absolutely no you're, you're very true in saying that it's very very clear I think they, they, the value of a law like this coming in the, the largest value of it is, is the awareness that it will create in the greater the uh, general population in relation to this issue and encourage people, just people being aware, look, you can, that you can be breaking the law if you do something like this. In terms of its policing, it's always a difficulty. But certainly we, we as a campaign, a national campaign, have been speaking with, with uh, the guard authorities, with, with the road safety authority in relation to the policing of this and how it will be done. Uh, already this year, and, and this was before the law came into effect, there have been a number of cases where drivers have been, have been prosecuted on the basis of camera evidence from cyclists, a lot of the, some of these cyclists who are wearing, uh, who have cameras on their helmets, for instance, helmet cam uh, operators, and where, where vehicles have been passing very close and making it uh, dangerously to, to cyclists. So they have been convicted. These are, this has actually happened in the courts. And we feel, we think that this is something that's going to increase. I mean, this is not something that is just... Uh, present in Ireland, this kind of law it is present in a number, in a, a large number of jurisdictions right around the world, and there. So there, it's not that, that the guard, the guard authorities, uh, have to deal with something totally new. It's they, they can look at at the, the situation in other countries and use those the, the methods that are used there to actually make prosecution. So they could use in this particular new law the evidence from a video from like a dash cam on their helmet could be used as well. Absolutely, yeah. 
okay well that'll make it interesting for drivers because everybody thought it would be the guardie who would be out monitoring it but if they can use that 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 could really increase the, the, the safety for cyclists but also could yeah. increase the frustration for drivers do you think by the way if this if this is the case though that if they do start prosecuting for dangerous overtaking should we have a case whereby cyclists who are using the road alongside motorists when motorists are paying insurance and tax should cyclists make some contribution uh, by form of tax or insurance or something on the roadway so there that money could be used to provide more cycle lanes in our cities well i, I think the, the big thing to understand i mean I, I i'm a cyclist but i'm also a driver like i'm not just i'm, I'm, a, I'm a human being You're both yeah yes and you will find that the vast majority of cyclists are also drivers no it's not it's not a case that they're that the drivers are unique individual uh, that it define like it doesn't just define people by the fact that they are drivers they can also be a lot of other things and you know and cyclists uh, as as much as I'm a driver and I pay tax on my car, etc., I'm also a cyclist and I pay taxes on general taxes. But also, I mean, it has to be recognised that people who do cycle are benefiting the economy from a, from a, a, lots of different points of view. We are not consuming oil products. We are not polluting the atmosphere. We are not adding to the carbon footprint of the country. Uh, there, there are lots of positive reasons why people should cycle more and, and rather than take and get into a car are you, are, you know, and use their own private transport in that way. So the, the benefits that, 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 are, that cyclists give to society need to be recognised and need to be understood. Uh, and when people talk about taxing, I mean, it's not, as I say, as a car driver as well, I'm also paying those taxes that, that is. And as a car driver, you are seeing bad drivers as well from that. But from a cyclist point of view, with this particular law coming in now, have you had a near death experience, more or less, in a bike from a motorist because of them overtaking you or, or driving too near you? I, ha- I, ha- I have to say I have. Unfortunately, I have. Not. It does not happen too often. And it has, I mean, I've had my, mirror, my, my handlebars clipped by mirrors in a car. You know, that's how close, I can tell you how close they're coming. Uh, and luckily enough, I mean, I, I was I, I was sent into a wobble in there just just a short while ago, uh, a number of months ago, and uh, I, luckily enough, there was nothing inside me, or I didn't, uh, no heavy traffic around at the time, and I was able to steady myself. But these kind of things happening, that that it's like a warning. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of the, a lot of the the drivers that do overtake at speed and overdo or take close by often tend to be uh, public service vehicle drivers. I'm talking generally about taxis. Uh, that they're worse, is it? The, the, we, we have asked for for we as our, our cyclists that I the Irish Cycling Advocacy Network have asked that 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 uh, look look the whole issue of taxi drivers and their certificates be looked at very closely in terms of driving license that they undergo what they call a, a CPC a certificate of professional competence, uh, which is uh, which is also a, a certificate that uh, lorry drivers have to undergo. Uh, and, and that we feel that taxi drivers need to be certified in in, the, in this kind of way uh, to to ensure that they are obeying fully obeying the, and they understand the rules of the road. Okay, well we could talk to you all day, Colm, on a number of calls and, and comments coming in, but I have to leave it there for the moment. Thanks for joining us anyhow this morning. That is a column writer, a chairperson with cyclist.ie. Your views are welcome on cyclists on the road and motorists on the road and both sharing the roads. Your uh, view on what you have come across uh, over the last number of weeks on your roadways. I gave my example there earlier, uh, driving through the city centre yesterday. What's yours? Let us know. A number of them are in, especially to do with rural roads, which indeed a column has condemned and said that should not be happening uh, 
uh, cyclists, especially were getting calls in a weekend mornings, holding up traffic on rural roads, country roads where you can't pass out and you might have. And the examples are coming into us by photo via Facebook Messenger and indeed on Twitter. You have eight, nine or ten bikes in front of cars who are not pulling in and the motorist just has to stay back but he's condemning that particular behaviour but it is happening and it shouldn't be happening uh, but it is anyhow those calls and more we'll get to those shortly keep your views coming on cyclists and motorists 1850-333-103 text or WhatsApp 086-2103-103 we're discussing the issue of debt around the Wally scheme from Mabs next You're listening to Cork Today on Replay Phone and text lines are currently closed Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103 And we'll continue our discussion on cyclists after midday, but let's turn now to the issue of debt. And every Wednesday we discuss the issue of home debt and people how they can get in trouble with their mortgages via the Awalia scheme with MABS. Well, Donald Nomani joins me from MABS. Good morning to you, Donald. Good morning. And Donald, I suppose while we're discussing the, the home and, and mortgage situation over the last number of months, something that also causes problems is people in general just having problem debt. And that can lead overall to a proper problem as well with their mortgages. But just people who might find themselves in debt, maybe with a car loan or, or something else, how they can deal with that. And let's just discuss the type of debt, first of all, that people find themselves in. Yeah, well, you're correct. Um, there are a plethora of, of debts, of personal debts that um, people can can manage to accrue. Um, just to run through them, as you mentioned, the mortgage arrears situation has been well covered in recent weeks. But people have personal loans from banks, credit unions, uh, people run into arrears with their utility bills like electricity and gas. Uh, people accumulate credit card debt. We're all familiar with that. Um People go into arrears with their rent, which is, you know, a crucial area nowadays, given housing situation and all of that. Um, people are landed with court fines that sometimes they find difficult um, to make the payments, and and there's ways that that can be dealt with. Um, people use catalogs as a source of credit for buying goods, and they can run into debt there. Uh, we're all familiar, I would think, with the legal money lenders where people under huge pressure may take a loan uh, because they don't have any other option or choice and then find it quite difficult to, to repay it. Um, two others maybe that I'd mention um, that can really be an added pressure situation for people is where maybe they have borrowed for, from family or friends uh, or maybe they owe money to local service providers and I suppose the reason I'm highlighting both of those um, is because there can be that bit of added pressure on people if they owe debts in that situation because they can find it quite difficult to revert to the friend or family member to say look I can't actually repay that at the moment or if it's a local service provider that they owe money to for work done uh, and they're meeting that person in their local community they can find it embarrassing if they run into difficulty and are not able to repay that debt or money owed for work done, they they can find that a difficult scenario to maybe make that approach to the person and say, look, I'm in a bit of financial difficulty. I won't be able to pay you as promised this week, this month, whatever. So they're just two at the tail end of of, of my list of of the common um, type of debt that people accumulate. 
Um, and dealing with that then Donald I mean you mentioned their utility bills electricity and gas and maybe a local plumber or somebody like that that they owe money to we get a lot of those calls here as well and they look for help and how to deal with that situation in in MABS there is a situation where they can call into you face to face and a lot of people will say they don't want to do that they're embarrassed but it is confidential and they can call in and you can work through with the utility company to see what you can do for them Yes I, I suppose it would be fair to say that look all creditors are willing to engage with people who owe them money because at the end of the day, the creditor wants to get paid. Um, so I suppose they would like to get paid as planned for. But when they realise that can't happen from a creditor's point of view, it's better to get paid over a period of time than not at all. You know, that's simple logic. Um, yeah, I, I suppose the keyword that you mentioned there, uh, confidentiality, we, we see that as our cornerstone, really, where people can come and talk to us face-to-face, we meet people by appointment. Um, if people are a bit iffy for any reason about that, um, MED has a national helpline and they can have a similar conversation with the person at the end of the helpline. Uh, might just throw that number out now as we're mentioning the national helpline. Um, all MED numbers uh, begin with 076-107 and the helpline is that number, 076-107-2000. But um, if 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 they take confidence, maybe from speaking with someone on the helpline, helpline will offer to refer them to a local office here in Northcork, to ourselves in Mallow or Charleville. And as I mentioned, we meet people subsequently in by appointment to facilitate their maybe work arrangements and that type of thing as best we can. Um, and even there, while we sort of um, cover the geographical area of North Cork out of Mallow and Charleville, uh, MEBS, all MEBS offices are flexible. In other words, look, if somebody from the Mallow area or North Cork area feels more comfortable going to Cork City, that'll be accommodated and vice versa. And, and that happens on a continuous basis. So while we have a, an outline of a geographical area from our point of view at North Cork, it doesn't mean that we've strict boundaries or anything from a geography point of view. Um, so I, we, we would say, look, I suppose ideally that anybody out there who already has a problem with debt or debt or who feels that their debts are in danger of becoming a problem, we would say, look, talk to us in MEBS um, and certainly talk to somebody um, because regularly we have people refer to us because they can't find in somebody else who is aware of MEBS or has heard of MEBS or maybe dealt with MEBS themselves. And... Um, that that phrase, the Bush Telegraph is it's a strong yeah, source that they're of, a referring you onto them. For, for yeah. yeah, and what about a situation then whereby you have helped people? I mean, do you have success in dealing with, for example, utility companies? Because what I always find is when we refer callers here to Warshaw to MABS, the first thing they will ask is, "Will will they actually help me?" And I presume over the years you've had had a lot of success in dealing with bills and and getting it paid and making arrangements with a particular electricity company or gas company. Yeah, we we do, and and we're at a stage now where where there's a, as we call it a protocol in place between the utility companies and MEBS. So when we contact the utility company on behalf of somebody, um, they will give us some time to work with our client to see what type of approach can be taken, what resolution can be found to deal with the arrears. So I suppose yeah, if people do come to us before disconnection or something serious like that happens, we can buy a bit of time to use that phrase uh, from the utility companies uh, they, 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 that's part of the protocol that we have with them 
that they will allow us some time, they'll put a hold on the account, give us some time, and okay, they will expect us to, to revert back to them in a, in a timeline, in a agreed timeline, um, with some proposal that, that would bring the account back on track. And uh, so that, that, that certainly available. And as I said at the outset, to be fair, our experience is that most creditors, uh, there are all of the exceptions, but most creditors, if not all, uh, are willing certainly to give ourselves and MEBS or indeed an individual who does approach them and sort of puts their cards on the table really if they are in difficulty. Because the reality at that stage is every creditor will recognise if I don't have the money to pay now, well, I'm not going to be able to pay now. So some arrangement is going to have to be entered into. Yeah, so they can actually get get through this and never be embarrassed. That's the big thing because the creditors will understand and indeed yourselves at MABS will understand as well. Uh, Donald, for the moment, thanks for joining us on that. It just shows a different type of of debt and how that can also relate uh, to your home if you get caught up in debt in other services uh, like with a friend or like uh, with a utility company. Thanks for joining us uh, this morning, Donald. Uh, uh, Thank you, Donald. That is Donald Lamani there uh, from MABS in North Cork. Of course, you can contact MABS in their various offices. First of all, the national number which Donald gave there it's 076 107 2000 their offices in Cork here are based in North Main Street in the city in Mallow in Charnival and also you can contact them in Dunmanway as well and they have other outreach offices but if you want to contact them on phone uh, the best number is 076 107 2000 for MABS if you have a query for them 1850 lines open you can text or WhatsApp 086 2103 number of people texting and calling us asking motorists to light up so put on your lights if you're driving this afternoon I know it's uh, 12 minutes after midday but it's quite dark out there uh, so have the lights on uh, this afternoon if you're on the roads and take care heavy rain expected across Cork this afternoon now we've a lot of calls in uh, follow me our conversation with Colm Ryder from cyclist.ie on the new rule that's coming in for motorists who are overtaking cyclists if you do that in a dangerous manner well you can be fined and you lost the receipt penalty points that our law comes in next month now I know there is a law there already on general dangerous overtaking but this new law is just specific to cyclists on that a lot of commentary in the last while since we spoke to Colm first of all Martin Infermoy says if the car drivers have any laws and rules protecting them from cyclists what about when there are four to five cyclists taking up the whole road that is not right we've got a number of calls about that and we are going to check out regarding the legality of cyclists holding up roads in that particular manner, uh, manner even uh, because we got a lot of people on to us on Facebook Messenger and indeed on Twitter sending us in photos of their examples of being stuck behind cyclists who take over the road and won't pull in to leave traffic pass and with relation to that matter is there a fine for them if they're illegally overtaking dangerously I was of the opinion it's illegal to overtake on the left if only one lane of traffic yet cyclists do it all the time scratching vehicles and knocking mirrors the minimum they should have is a valid theory test search they are rude and inconsiderate says that particular person on WhatsApp while Maura uh, says my husband is considered a professional driver now he's endless and he has endless patience on the road but the only thing to rise his temperature are cyclists he works a lot in Dublin and cyclists run lights drive out in front of everything and they are arrogant and ignorant and everyone is afraid of them Shane Ross is a joke bringing in this particular law my husband has to do CPC courses so many times a year which cost him money it's a disgrace uh, says Maura on WhatsApp to 0862 103 and we'll stay with cyclist John is in Tank Canturk. Good afternoon to you, John. 
Good morning, John Paul. How are you? I'm fine, thanks. Now, you're on the road every day, you tell us. And what are you coming across when you're dealing with cyclists? Well, I was driving there for Cancer Connect voluntary. I take people up and down the hospital. Mm-hmm, great service. And I see a lot of bad um, cyclists in the road. And sometimes you have good cyclists and other times you don't have good cyclists. Because if, if, if they were going to, we say, turn off to right, they don't, do, they don't use any hand signals or nothing. They just come straight across the road. You know, they happened to me about four months ago and then they knocked down person in the road. And do you feel, and, when you mentioned that there's good cyclists and bad cyclists, could you say the same though about motorists? No, I would not. Because I tell you why, cyclists are cycling four and five together on the road. And I think this, 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 this rule they're putting in about them, about these fines, they're a disgrace. It should not come in. And I think myself, cyclists should, should have their own insurance on the roads. Because yes. they're using the public roads and they should have their own insurance. Do you feel it's unfair that motorists are paying insurance, are on the roads, but are yet, as many of our callers are saying, and you have said, are being held back by cyclists, especially on country and rural roads whereby they can't pass them out, but the cyclists can use that road free of charge. You feel everybody should pay insurance if you're on the road? Everybody should pay insurance once they're on the road, because sometimes you could stay behind cyclists for about 10, 10 minutes, because you can't, take, you can't pass them out because the roads are too bad. Have you had that experience a lot? Yes, I had that experience about what, once a week nearly. And if you're driving people for Cancer Connect and they have to make yeah. hospital appointments, are you afraid, are you worried that you could actually miss a person's appointment because you're delayed on the road due to cyclists? Um, I do, and sometimes I might get a printy pints for it. But again, yeah. you feel it's unfair that they should take over a whole road. It should be a cyclist on the side of the road and not three or four taking over the road. That's your main point. Well, my main point is just four cyclists together. Mm. They should pull in one by one and let the car pass out, pass out now. But that doesn't happen uh, from your experience. That's, you're not seeing that. No, that's, that's what happened in my experience at all. And some cyclists are wearing earphones. They can't hear the traffic behind them. Should that be banned? That should be banned, exactly. Yeah. Earphones should be banned, especially for cyclists when they're cycling in the main road. And you're obviously a driver, John. Do you ever cycle yourself or have you cycled? Uh, I did, but I, I wouldn't cycle now because my balance wouldn't be great. I'd fall off it. Okay, but would you feel when you did cycle that the roads today, are they more dangerous, do you think, though, for cyclists overall? I think they are because there's no, there's no, how to call it, for cyclists in the, on the side of the road, there's no... Facilities for them or, or laneways exactly. in, in the majority of roads, yeah. So, so exactly. you're against this particular new law anyhow and, and you, you think that they're, if they're bringing in a law basically for motorists, cyclists do need something as well uh, to bring them into reprimand and even insurance. Yes, I would. But I, I don't think this, this law should not come in. And does it worry you, John, though, when I was speaking to Colm Ryder there from Cyclist.ie earlier, I was mentioning about enforcement and how you could enforce this law. And it seems now that you'll be familiar, I'm sure, with dash cams on a car. Some cyclists have similar on their helmets. And those videos could be used against a person who the cyclist feels has passed them out dangerously. Does that concern you? Because you could be driving what you feel is okay. And you feel you're you're passing out the cyclists correctly, uh, or maybe yeah. you are too near because there's not enough room on the road. But given the actual 
video that's being handed to the guards, you could be prosecuted on that. Does that worry you more? That That's more of a concern for many people who thought it would be the guardee who would be stopping you. But it, it seems if they get a reg number, they could actually come after you as well. According now to cyclist.ie, that could be done as well. I agree with you, yes. I agree with you. Because I'd be afraid to pass over a, a cyclist in case I get a summons. So you'd rather stay behind them just in case you felt that they felt you were too near them on the road? Exactly, yes. Because there's only one... I should, I should only be there wanting is my vote. Yeah. And if the person didn't know if the guardie or whoever didn't no, know the actual roadway, they might say you were too close, but they might not realise the ditch was so far near the bike, you had no choice but to get that close to them. Exactly. And, you know, I feel sorry for the tourists coming in as well if they're going cycling bikes. Yeah. Well, there's, there's no facilities there for them, so they're going to be in, in danger, first of all, getting on a bike. I agree with you, John Paul. I think the whole that should be stepped in it. Okay, well, John, thank you for your comment on that. Uh, doesn't agree with that particular law that is coming in next month. Your views are welcome. 1850 Tim in Bantry asking, uh, is there a law to have cyclists wear a helmet and indeed high-vis jackets? Uh, Colin was mentioning, I'm not sure if there's actually a law, but they, uh, they, they are uh, meant to have helmets and high-vis jackets on. They weren't agreeing with that if they don't have them or are riding without their particular helmets. Jurian Glanton says, it's ridiculous that a bike can hold up all the traffic. The road from Cove Cross into Cove is not suitable for cyclists. The advert on TV shows the distance cars are supposed to allow. That road is not wide enough to allow space for cyclists. A few weeks ago in the evening, one cyclist held up all the traffic on the road from Belvalley Castle to Supervalue in Cove. There was dozens of cars behind that particular cyclist. And Jay saying, I saw a guy in a bike going up the Woodstock Road in Carrick Tool, which has a fair pull on it. And a truck was trying to pass out this particular person on the bike. He cycled past five entrances and never pulled in to let the truck and six cars pass. No problem for a car to pass a single cyclist but next to impossible for a loaded truck on a back road especially going up a hill says Jay on text to 86 And on the issue of insurance for cyclists uh, one texter says I think cyclists should have insurance because if they scratch your car it will cost three to four hundred euros to fix so they need the money and need to be insured for that. We spoke earlier with Father Tim Hazelwood on a total different issue and this was the future of the Catholic Church as we see baptisms and weddings becoming a thing of the past in certain parishes across the country and also here in Cork especially when it comes to baptisms a lot of them will be held at one particular location at one time where you could have six, seven or eight baptisms at the same time and because of that people are concerned of where the future of the church is going and there's an AGM today for the Association of Catholic Priests and we discuss how priests should be allowed to marry and we should have women priests in the Catholic Church and uh, with that there was a general conversation about Mass and Kieran, one of our callers basically was saying that he enjoys going to Mass when there's younger priests but he feels some of the older priests Uh, go on too much about the Bible and he feels some of those long sermons are irrelevant uh, in today's world. Well, Mary in McCroom on that says about sermons being too long, Mary feels maybe we don't listen enough. They would be willing to spend a long time at the pub listening to their friends but maybe not the priest uh, says Mary in McCroom to Bernie and 1850-333-103 and just the way of mentioning McCroom there there is repairs going on uh, to a burst water main that is affecting supply to the Coolihan area of McCroom uh, the supply of water is due to be restored at around 5 o'clock this evening and if you're into your dancing Michael Welton 
Skeleton Social Dance Classes. They're on again tonight and every Wednesday night at the Lep Inn and they start there at nine tonight in Lep. And Nelly in Clonakilty saw the shooting star in the sky on Monday last. Of course, this is the shooting star that, uh, well, it wasn't it a comet, I think, that shot across the sky and basically broke up to pieces is what Nelly said. She saw breaking up into pieces over the water in Clonakilty Bay. She said she's never seen the like of it before, but what a spectacular sight to see over Clonakilty Bay, says Nelly in Clonakilty. Yeah, it was a kind of a green comet and you were lucky enough to see that particular view there in that spectacular location to view that. If you want to view photos and indeed videos, you can go on c103.ie or indeed the C103 Facebook and you'll catch videos and indeed on the website as well from all areas of Cork from those who actually spotted the comet and were lucky enough to be filming it at that particular time. Keep your gardening questions coming for Peter. He joins us after 12.30, 1850, 333 103. Text or WhatsApp 086 2103 103. And Nathan Carter joins us next. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. Killerworth Dramatic Society presents Tommy Maron's hilarious comedy Nobody's Talking to Me. That's going on tonight and indeed again next week. It's on at 8pm in the hall in Killworth. A gala concert evening with the band of the Garda Corner in aid of the Alzheimer's Society of Ireland will be held in St. Muntel's Church. That's on tomorrow evening. Tickets 50 euros and you can get more details on kinsalelionsonline.com and the grand draw for Ballyhay Community Hall will be held in the Corbett Court. That's on Friday the 15th of November and it takes place there at 8 o'clock tickets costing 10 euros Record today on C103 Call Patricia with your comment 1850-333-103 Nathan Carter returns to Cork Opera House with his amazing winter spectacular concert it's on this coming Friday and Saturday at the Opera House and ahead of those concerts Nathan joins me good afternoon to you Nathan Good afternoon, thanks for having me on the show. And thanks for joining us on a busy year it's been for you this year. Your uh, fifth studio album, Born, that went straight to number one upon its release. And of course, that's making its uh, fifth album in the debut charts as well. You have another album coming out next month called Irish Heartland. So you're kept busy, Nathan, over the last number of years. I am between touring uh, the UK, Ireland, and uh, we've started doing a lot in America and Germany over the last couple of years. Um, it keeps me, you know, very busy on the road. Um, and in between that, I try and uh, get new new singles and new albums done. This new album, which is being released next month, is something a bit different for me. I've actually gone back to my uh, folk roots as I started out playing uh, folk songs and playing the accordion and singing that type of stuff. Uh, so it's, it's an album filled with uh, folk songs rather than country just for something a bit different. Yeah, I see that. Uh, the Irish Heartland, it's called. It's a nice, actually, album and it's some nice songs that people will be familiar with. Some nice Irish songs and I think you can't beat a good Irish song that sometimes you might you might only hear at a wedding or something like that and you mightn't hear it ever again. Uh, but the likes <laughs> of uh, Nancy Spain's and Mountains of Moor and it will feature those type of, of songs, won't it, uh, Nathan? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's funny, you know, whenever I, I, I have a gen- generally have a night off, I'll go to, you know, call into a pub or have a bit of a session they're the type of songs that people love to hear and love people singing and they love singing themselves. And, um, I, I've never, I've always kind of recorded an odd folk song on the albums, you know, through the years, but I thought, why not do a full album of them? So I've, I've picked some of my favourites, uh, like you say, Nancy Spain, The Mountains of Moor and The Rare Old Times. And I've also written um, a couple of new songs, new folk songs with different writers, Irish writers as well, uh, for the album. And I've done... Uh, a couple of co- collaborations. I've just released a single this week uh, with uh, the legend that is Finbar Fury. We've recorded a new song called Donnybrook Fair. 
um, and I've collaborated with the High Kings on on one of the tracks as well. So it's a it's a really exciting album, and it's something that I'm really proud of, and I can't wait for people to hopefully hear it. Uh, it's been released uh, the eighth of November, which is, uh, is is not too far away now. Now, and for that particular type of album, is there a different production line from uh, doing country music and then recording an album like this? Yeah, there is. I mean, I used a good few different musicians uh, in the studio on this. Um, and I also took a, a trip to Sophia um, uh, about three hours away and I recorded with uh, the Sophia Concert Orchestra over there. Um, so I've got a full string section on half of the tracks on the album, which is amazing to have um, you know, real instruments and that many people playing uh, on the tracks. Um, unfortunately, the RTE Concert Orchestra were busy that day, so I had to travel <laughs> abroad to go and do it. But uh, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely something that's a bit different for me. And um, I mean, there's songs that have stood the test of time. Some of these songs are 70, 80 years old, you know, um, and uh, hopefully I've done them justice and done them in a new new style uh, that people will enjoy. One of them uh, you have recorded is Grace, one of my favourite songs. Uh, Jim McCann, I suppose, most famous for his particular version yeah. of Grace as yeah. well. But was that a tough one to sing because uh, a Jim's song, is, his, he stands out so much and it's used so much over the years, even in films and stuff. Uh, big songs like that, are they tough to, to record because you're worried, I suppose, on how the public would perceive your particular version of it? Definitely, yeah. I mean, that song in particular, Grace, has had a revival over the last year or so. Uh, I suppose uh, probably down to the likes of Rod Stewart recording it and uh, uh, other other musicians throughout the the business. But uh, I've sang Grace since I was probably about 10 years old and I thought I knew it like the back of my hand until I got in the studio and I said, geez, this is actually going to be tougher than I thought to record because uh, it just, it had to be right, you know, because there's so many, as you say, definitive versions like Jim McCann's and so many. Uh, others but uh, but yeah I mean I'd like to think I've done it justice and um, uh, hopefully people will like it when they hear it uh, on the album on the 8th of November And apart from the music I, I see your face in a bookstore there over the last few days a new book out as well Born for the Rouge and you're back in our TV screens again uh, with I, I don't know is it a new series or RT rerunning the, the Christmas special last year? Yeah, RT run it, rerun. Uh, <laughs> it wouldn't be like them, but uh, yeah, they're actually rerunning my my old uh, my old show. Uh, I've been very lucky with RT through the years. They've they've been a, a very big help to me throughout uh, my career. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I've done two series with them now at this stage, and we did two Christmas specials as well with with different acts like um, Billy Ocean, uh, some of the lads out of Westlife, uh, some of the girls out of Spice Girls. It's just been an amazing. Uh, you know, show to be involved with, and I've got to collaborate with so many heroes of mine, including the likes of Finbar Fury and Mary Black, and some of the folk singers that I've always admired through the years, right through to pop and rock singers. So uh, it's it's been it's been great fun, and uh, I'm very honoured that. RTE give me that chance you know Yeah well it was a big hit last year in the ratings so uh, no wonder they're going to use it again this year it'll be another hit this year for them but you mentioned there Finbar Fury and Mary Black who were iconic when it comes to Irish music when you collaborate with them uh, is there a certain type of pressure we've interviewed both of them on the show and they're really nice and down to earth people but you would have grown up looking at these people and they would be big names in your eyes and then you meet them in person you're singing with them is it a bit of a surreal moment for you? Yeah, well, I remember getting my manager to make the call to Finbar's people just to see would he be interested in recording a song. Uh, and I was thinking, that, you know, the worst he can say is no. And I thought it probably would be a no, to be honest. 
because uh, he's probably looking at me thinking, sure, he sings country stuff. Why would he be, be wanting to do yeah. it with me? You know, so. Um, but you know, he said yes, and um, I had met Spinbar on a gig in Liverpool a couple of years ago, and we got on like a house on fire. So, um, but you know, it, it is a lot of pressure, and I, I'm I'm very honoured um, to have the the, uh, the likes of Finbar and the High Kings who have been in, involved in, in the Irish music business for so many years. I mean, to, to sing with them is, is is a real treat for me. You know, and as I say, it's something new and something different, and. Um, I just I really hope that people will like uh, this uh, this new album and as I say it's uh, something I've been working hard on probably for the last year or more um, and I am just can't wait for people to hear it now Well I think they will because as we mentioned some of the songs there I mean you're, you're teaming up with Finbar Fury songs like The Rare Old Times uh, Grace uh, and, and others and including teaming up with The High Kings you know they are Irish favourites and I think it, it will be a hit because people love as we mentioned going at weddings and whatnot. they love the old Irish songs and they're, and they're still special and I think with Rod Stewart recording Grace and, and it being featured and films of, of late especially through 1916 bringing back a lot of those songs yeah, uh, they are course, yeah. more open now to people than they would have ever had been before and even when you see those songs appearing on Spotify you know then there's a demand for them among younger audiences as well of course you're back to Cork and that's where we're chatting to you this weekend in the Opera House I know you've played the Marquee a number of times as well and the Marquee seemingly next year is going to be the last year of the Marquee you might have to move from where it is so uh, we'll have to wait and see what happens with the Marquee but the Opera House this weekend yeah. what can people expect uh, from the Opera well, House I'm gig? Well I'm going to be doing uh, it, it is a, it's a bit of a new show for us we're featuring some of the new tracks from this new album, um, which people will have never heard me sing before. Um, and, um, I mean, the Opera House, to be honest, is one of my favourite venues throughout, throughout Ireland. There's always a, a fantastic atmosphere. Um, and especially when it's the weekend, um, I, I generally find Cork people really know how to enjoy themselves when it comes to Friday night or Saturday night, you know. So uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this weekend. It's, uh, the Friday night I got told this morning is completely sold out and we've got... Um, less than 50 tickets left for the Saturday night now so if people want to come along I'd urge them to get tickets uh, as soon as they can but um, it promises to be a great night or a couple of nights should I say um, Cork as I've said before is actually I've, one of my biggest uh, areas for following me on, on social media is actually the county of Cork which is unbelievable so um, I always for some reason get a great reception when I come down and I I love playing it time and time again and the Opera House, as I say, is, is one of my favourite venues. So really looking forward to the two nights this weekend. Well, a number of our listeners are going along uh, to the particular concert. First of all, can you say hello to Margaret and Bally Valan, Nathan? She's waiting for you all morning on the show. So say hello to Margaret there uh, and no Bally Valan. Hi, Margaret. Hope you're keeping well. See you the weekend. <laughs> and also, Lisa Sheehan is going along to see you. Uh, she's going in the Opera House on Friday night, we think. Uh, Lisa wants you to give her a big shout out there, Nathan. Great, Lisa. Hope you're having a fantastic day. See you soon. And on that, Aaron texting in uh, saying, you know, you're so successful. And like those uh, two people there, Lisa and Margaret, uh, you you have a great following. But how do you deal with criticism uh, that you then see online that people are criticising that? Uh, how do you deal with, with that type of scenario? I, I still take it to heart, to be honest. I don't know anyone that doesn't. Uh, people who say they brush it off, <laughs> I think, are, are lying generally. But um, you can't help but uh, take criticism Badly, I find, but mm. you know, I, I, I then after a, you know twenty minutes, I forget about it, and, and I think of all the people that uh, support me and come along, and I'm, I'm so lucky to have so many um, fans that, that actually uh, care about the music and, and buy the tickets and come along to see the show. And generally, they're the people that matter to me. So um, you know, and everyone's entitled to their opinion. You know what I mean? Everybody can uh, give their own point of view. So I suppose you know that's that's mm. the way it goes when you're in the public eye. You, you have to take all. 
negative and, and positive comments on board. Yeah, the joys of it, and unfortunately, I think with all of us, we sometimes take uh, our spot the negative one, and that stays in our mind longer than the, the five positive ones you might have. You, you, you'll think of the one negative for some reason. And speaking of online, yeah, during the uh, summer, even though outside of the music, you were a popular boy because Love Island was on, and uh, keen-eyed people on Instagram uh, uh, copped <laughs> that you were liking a certain Longford girl's pictures on Instagram. Of course, that being uh, Maura Higgins, uh, have you uh, a soft spot for uh, for Maura from Longford? Uh, well, I, I'd, I'd known of Maura for a couple of years before she was going on Love Island. And then, of course, when she, she was on the show, I, I had started liking her pictures. But, um, you know, I, I guess people who'd gone and looked back at her older posts had seen that I'd followed her f- or just liked all these new pictures. But I'd actually been following her for uh, a couple of years. But she did, she did so well. And, you know, I think she's a fantastic girl. And I, I was even watching... Uh, program this morning on on UTV did this morning and uh, she was presenting on that she's she's done extremely well for herself and she has. Uh, I yeah, think, she's uh, an agony you know, aunt now on, on the uh, ITV show in the mornings there. So she she's is, doing very yeah. well and she's a number of other, I think, dancing on ice as well. Uh, and she's still with Curtis, even though on her.ie, I think you were you were saying that mightn't last too long. <laughs> is, there, <laughs> is there a romantic uh, kind of aspiring there for Maura? Ah, well, listen, I, I'm yet to um, yet to speak to her since the show, but um, you never know. You never know. Hopefully up ahead. <laughs> you, you might slide into her uh, DM. Is that what they call it now? Slide That's what they call DM. it now. Yeah, 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 and then yeah. her, her head might be turned, so we'll have to wait and see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> good man, you've got all the phrases down. <laughs> no, we're, we're on form today, Nathan, I can tell you that. Uh, I'm Very actually speaking good. of uh, reality. Would you ever consider reality TV yourself? Um, yeah, I mean, it's, I've, I've been asked to do Dancing on Ice, uh, Dancing with the Stars, should I say, yeah. a few times, but uh, with kind of with the schedule, with touring, um, I, I mean, I do around about 120, 230 gigs a year, so it just isn't really possible at the minute, but I would never say never, and, um, you know, up ahead, if the opportunity came and I was I was available to do it, I would I would definitely consider it, for sure. Well, we'll have to wait and see. You might be in the jungle yet, maybe with Maura. <laughs> No, that, that would you be that would be viewership for ITV. Anyhow, Nathan, uh, uh, best of luck with the concert this weekend. If people want to get tickets, they are still available. Isn't it Saturday night? There's tickets left for Saturday night, is there? We've got a very limited left for, for Saturday if they want to come along. Yeah, and I mean there might be a couple of returns for Friday, but I think generally it's near enough sold out. So, okay. um, but hopefully we'll see. Look forward to seeing everyone at the weekend, and as I say, look forward to coming back to the Opera House. It's always a great night. And you can get tickets from Cork Opera House. Go to corkoperahouse.ie or indeed you can call the box office 021 And of course, that new album, uh, which we're looking forward to hearing with those great Irish songs, Irish Heartland, that's out on Friday the 8th of November. Nathan, thank you for joining us. Thanks very much. Have a great day. Best of and, luck. Uh, big love to everyone in Cork. We will. And enjoy Cork at the weekend. Thanks very much. Take care. Thank you. Uh, Nathan Carter there uh, joining us ahead of his Opera House gigs uh, this weekend, this Friday and Saturday at Cork Opera House. And uh, his new album as well out Friday the 8th and some good old Irish songs on that particular album as well. There's Nathan Carter. On the way, Peter Doddall, the Irish gardener. If you have a particular question for Peter, uh, get them into us now. He'll join us next. You can call Bernie 1850 or indeed you can text a WhatsApp 086 2103 103. Cork today on C103. Text 
or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 And just some more comments then regarding cyclists and we've got a huge number of uh, commentary on this so we'll go back to this tomorrow on the show but just a few more uh, to get in. Uh, First of all, Anna in Formoy, he said, I'm very concerned about these new laws regarding cyclists. How can car drivers or how are they supposed to know the exact distance to pass them out? Uh, That's of course if you can pass them because some of them will cycle four to five across the road. That's the way it is here in Formoy. Anyway, says Alan with cyclists in Formoy, he feels uh, are nasty like some others been mentioned uh, by other texters this morning. He's asking drivers to beware when passing out, especially now if they use the um, the helmet cameras that they're, that they're saying they can use for that. While Teresa is saying, I was driving in Limerick yesterday, a tractor held up a line of traffic from Kenturk going towards Newton Chandram and then onto Charleville, at least three miles. Uh, but when we were speaking about cyclists having the manners to pull in, Teresa is saying, surely this particular person should have the manners to pull in as well. And indeed all tractor drivers are white line most of the way so people can be very selfish on the road will they ever learn uh, says Teresa so that's some of the texts coming in regarding cyclists and, and in general drivers on the road keep them coming to us and we will go back to that issue on the show tomorrow and we just spoke there with Nathan Carter who's coming to Cork Opera House this coming weekend and the text came in just at the very end but it's uh, hi to Caitlin O'Gorman so Caitlin will let Nathan know uh, that you're going to the show on Friday night as well and enjoy that particular show Caitlin now let's go gardening and as usual joined by Peter Doddall the Irish gardener Peter good afternoon to you Good afternoon, John Paul. How are you? I'm fine, thanks. Now, today, probably not the best day uh, to be out in the garden. It's dark, it's raining, uh, and a lot of water around the place, but still a lot of questions uh, coming into us. And I suppose at this time of the year, from even one person here saying it's it's kind of tough to maintain the garden because it's been so nice and mild with some weather, uh, or with some rain even in the weather. And then we've had a lot of cold spells in the last few days, and now we have, uh, have a lot of water on the ground. People are finding it tough to, to kind of maintain their garden. It is tough, isn't it? It's been like I was only commenting yesterday, the day before, that it's very wintry, but it's lovely wintry weather because mm. it was kind of crisp and cold in the early evenings. Or, uh, but now we're back to <laughs> more typical Irish weather, damp, damp and mild. Uh, <clears throat> but yeah, it is that time of the year where it is, you know, you kind of need to get out where, where and when you can at this stage into the garden. There's still a lot of work to be done in the garden, like your spring bulbs and that all need to be planted. Now your lawn still needs a bit of attention. Get the the winter protect onto it to. to try and maintain its moss-free status, if you like. Um, and and its general tidy up and clear up. Unfortunately, we'll probably have one or two more storms before the, the winter is finished. Uh, so any kind of trees or shrubs or anything which may be posing a risk, to take action before, before any storm hits. Okay, and on that, a lot of people are texting in. Uh, they're still out in the garden, regardless. Uh, one is from John. He is saying and asking, is it too late now to trim back climbing roses? Uh, it is um, on rose bushes, he said, that he wants to tr- trim them back. But also, he's afraid the frost will harm them. No, not at all. No, it's not too late, in fact, to trim rose bushes. It's the opposite. It's nearly a bit too early, but it's not quite too early. So the short answer to the question is it's a fine time to do it. You really can do it any time between now uh, and the end of February next. So you have plenty of time. Um, give them a trim back. With climbing roses, it's not like your shrub roses. With climbing roses, you, you identify three or four of the main climbing stems that are growing on the, 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 the wall or the building or whatever you're climbing it along. So identify three or four of the main stems. And once you've done that, it's quite straightforward because you want to remove all the side growth, all the growth that's coming out of those main stems. You want to reduce them down to three or four inches from from the main stems, so you're left with quite a tidy, uh, quite a tidy climber at the end of it all. 
uh, in terms of height, so that's in terms of kind of width, if you like. So in terms of height, once you've identified the main stems that I just mentioned there, uh, then you just reduce them in height to whatever height you want. So if they've reached the top of a fence or the top of a wall or an arch or whatever, uh, or if they haven't, you don't need to reduce them at all. But if they have, just reduce them in height to wherever you want and, and prove, the side, prove the side growth in to within a couple of inches. Okay, and uh, t- uh, WhatsApp are here actually asking, uh, can you cut slips of lorry, now maybe she means laurel, uh, and stick them in the ground? Now it's sticking into an open, wet little shelter and she wants something to grow there because it's by a boundary fence. Okay, uh, taking slips of laurel, uh, presuming, as you say, she means laurel, uh, at this time of the year, they're unlikely to root, but I mean, give them a go by all means. Uh, laurel do- does root quite easily, as do glycerinia and things like that. Uh, putting them straight into the ground, in, in the open ground at this time of the year, as I say, you're very, very unlikely to be successful, but, but do give it a go. But you'll be more likely to be successful, even though it's still a bit too late in the year, uh, to start them off in little pots or even deep seed trays full of compost or, or topsoil. Ideally, if you could start them off indoors, like in an unheated glasshouse or polytunnel, then that would be perfect. But on saying all that, we're coming into November, uh, it's, they're unlikely to root at this time of the year. You'd have much more success if you did it kind of June, July, August, September even. Um, but give it a go if you want. And if they don't root, know that you can do it from June to September next year and then they root quite easily. Okay, Mary has a mountain ash tree. It's about 10 years old. Now, she gets flowers on it every year, but no red berries. So what can she do with it this year? That's a pollinating problem, uh, John Paul, which I've no doubt you knew, obviously. <laughs> of course I knew, Peter. From your, uh, <laughs> Calling your, from your long-term uh, experience talking to you, I probably guessed Calling that, was it? Blood. I said I'd let you answer it, though, do you know? Thanks, yeah, thanks, yeah. thanks. So, yeah, it is a pollinating problem. So when you're getting the flowers, uh, to the best of my knowledge, all mountain ash, all rowan trees are what's called self-fertile, like you don't need a pollinating partner nearby. Now, perhaps introducing uh, a mountain ash of a different a different variety or a different species nearby may help, but I don't think that's the main issue here. When you have flowers uh, on the sorbus, they will turn into berries, provided the, the flowers, the male flowers are pollinating the female flowers, uh, and it's the female flowers then which produce the berry, and inside that is the seed. The only reason they wouldn't be producing berries is if the flower isn't being pollinated, and if the flower isn't being pollinated, it's due to a lack of insect activity goes back to our friends the bees and we're all aware of the threat and the reducing numbers on the bee population so this could just very well be a manifestation of that that is not bearing because there isn't enough bees in that area our, our other pollinating insects not just bees it's wasps ladybirds moths everything um it could be that that, that is the problem I wonder, is it a very windy area? Now, mountain ash will tolerate a very windy area. There's no problem there. But they won't bury particularly well because, obviously, just going back to what I said, even if there are bees and insects around, if it's very windy, it's not that easy for them to do their job. So that's possibly the reason. Um, I can't suggest any other reason for it not to be burying if it is flowering. It, It is a pollinating problem, either caused by being too exposed or by just the uh, poor population of, of pollinating insects in the locality. Doesn't it show we need our ladybirds and bees uh, when really you see do. an example like that? Yeah, it, yeah, it's like we hear the headlines of species extinction and, you know, we need to protect the bees and the pollinators and this is this is, this is the result of it. Okay, uh, Bridget and Mallow, she has a rubber plant. It's six years old. Now, it has grown very big, but she wants to know, can she cut this back? Yes, uh, absolutely. 
uh, you can cut it back at this time of the year as well. They do, they get tall and kind of lanky, so uh, do cut it back and it will bush out, unfortunately, or not unfortunately, but it will get tall again. So you, you'll be constantly cutting it back or else finding a, a new and bigger house, I'm afraid, to accommodate it. Okay, and Ger wants to know what should he be doing with strawberry plants now? His are in a large container. Now, they still look very healthy. He's moved them indoors and still waters them. Also, actually, answer that first. He's another question after that. So, just on the strawberry plants first, how can he deal with those? Well, nothing to do really. He's moved them indoors. There's no need to move them indoors, in fact. But if you have, that's fine. If you've moved them into a polytunnel or glass house, that's fine. And what that will result in is that you'll have earlier fruit next year. Well, if you leave them indoors, you'll have fruit earlier next year. Uh, there's no need to, though. They, they, they will be totally frost hardy, so I wouldn't be worried about it from that point of view. Um, you, you really don't need to be doing anything to them, on, except if you haven't done it yet, remove the runners. So the runners are. They're little baby plants that come out on a, a side shoot, which comes out, John Paul, a bit like what I refer to as an umbilical cord. It sends out this little side shoot, um, and at the end of it, there's a new rosette of leaves, which will root very, very easily. So and that's in, that then becomes a new plant. So when that little rosette of leaves, just dip it into a pot full of soil, or stick it in, rather, to a pot full of soil, or if it was in the open ground, just pin them into the, the soil, the open ground. And once they've developed their own little root system, then you can sever that, that stem. Uh, as the, as the umbilical cord, as they call it, uh, and then you have new plants, you have new, new free plants. So that's the only thing you'd want to do is remove the runners at this time of the year. Uh, but apart from that, yeah, you're, if you've moved them in, keep them well watered. Uh, if it's in a container, you would be feeding it, but not really until next spring. In the open ground, you'll be doing none of the above. It'll be fine. And your second question is, is it okay now to cut his hydrangea flowers now for a dried flower arrangement? Now the plant itself is about four years old and within a large pot. Yeah, it is, absolutely. So if you want them for a dried flower arrangement, and they are wonderful as dried flowers. I've had a of them at home in my own kitchen, lovely deep purple colour, and it, it holds that colour throughout the winter. So if you want them for a dried flower arrangement, yes, absolutely do it now. Don't do it today because it's wet. So you want for the flowers to be preserved, you need to cut them on a dry day. Uh, so you, even on a dry day now, I wouldn't do it early in the morning when there's dew on them, wait till the middle of the day. So you want to make sure you're cutting them when they are bone dry. Um, it's fine from the plant's point of view. And if you, if, if, and that's full stop, end, end of question and end of answer. But for anybody else who's wondering about cutting back hydrangeas, you can leave that, you can cut those dead flowers or even the, the living flowers off now if you want. Um, or alternative, alternatively, you can leave them on the plant until the far side of winter uh, and late February, early March, cut them back then. But for dry flowers, you can feel free to do it now, yeah. OK, and Josephine is in Castletown Roach. She planted laurels two years ago. When should she trim them? Uh, I wouldn't trim them. Planted them two years ago. I wouldn't trim them till the end of February, uh, just before next spring. You can give them a light trim now if you want, but it, it may well you see promote some new growth, which would be vulnerable to to any frost that we get during during the next few months. So I'd leave well alone and give them. A, they're only two years old. They, they're not huge yet. Uh, give them a cut back then at the end of February, early March. Just but again, you'll be encouraging new growth then, but you're hoping that the the temperatures are increasing as opposed to decreasing at that time of the year. Okay, yeah, Lillian in Grenache. She wants to know what's the best solution to remove moss from a tarmac because her daughter is coming home to get married at Christmas and she wants her yard looking like new. There's loads of, of ways of doing it. So you've, you've some, some products out there containing pelargonic acid, which is a, an organic compound, comes from the pelargonium plant, in fact, which will dissolve uh, moss and it will kill moss. There's several of them out there. You've also can use 
salt, which is what we use for de-icing. So that will also do it. Now, be careful whether the solution of salt, salty water is going to run off. That's the only thing. Then there are other chemical products out there. Uh, must, must go do a probiotic moss uh, cleaner or moss killer. But I find that's better to keep the moss, to keep an area clean as opposed to killing moss. So maybe use something with your pelagonic acid first and then your Moscow probiotic. Keep it clean afterwards. But it's funny that that question came in because I was just remembering, you know, every every week I, I, before I, I chat to you or Tricia, I need to remember, am I supposed to mention something today? Is there something coming up? And I was asked last week to mention uh, Back to Black, which is a company which we've often mentioned that this broken because they do moss removal and driveways. They've done mine several times. It's very, very good. But they said, would you ever give us a plug that we're doing a, a discount during the month of November? So plug is done, I just remembered it, uh, and it's apt because it's, a, it's just at the question for moss removal. So they are an excellent company if you just want to get somebody in to do it, back to black. Uh, and as, as, I, I, as I say in the plug, they do have a discount during November, um, or else use one of the products that I mentioned beforehand. And uh, yourself, are you out and about anywhere uh, for the next few weeks giving talks? I give talks quieting down at this time of the year. Yeah. I, this time of the year for me is all about design, 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 design. So it's, uh, it's when I sit in front of the computer and uh, pour over the kind of plant books and, and become imaginative over the next few months. So, so that output design. If you're kept inside for the uh, for the winter months and the back out the naked yeah, to, yeah, to start yeah, out the design. Yeah. Very good, Peter. Well, you can check Peter out online at theirishgardener.com or indeed at the Irish Gardener. Check him out on Facebook and Instagram. Peter, we'll chat to you next week. Cheers, John Paul. Thanks. Thanks. Peter Dunnall there, our Irish gardener. A lot of calls and comments into us today, especially on the issue of cyclists on our roads and that new law to come in next month. Uh, we'll get to those again tomorrow on the show and those emails we didn't get to. My thanks to Bernie Murphy, who produced. I'm John Paul McNamara. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Are you ready for truly hydrated skin? Meet Hyaluronic Body Serum, a breakthrough in body care from Osea. It's clinically proven to instantly increase hydration by 161%. Their lightweight, fast-absorbing serum delivers 24 hours of nonstop hydration for silky, smooth skin without the sticky afterfeel. Osea's latest innovation combines the magic of their best-selling Hyaluronic Sea Serum with a new formula that's good for the whole body and five types of hyaluronic acid to target every layer of the skin. Osea is a woman-founded, women-led brand that's been crafting seaweed-powered products for nearly 30 years. The best part? Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code SUMMER at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com code SUMMER.